When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but here comes a pizza. See it? This is a fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, I don't know why you're listening to this. I don't know like what is wrong with you. I don't know why you want to hear more about this team. Uh, Jake's here. Tyler's here. Pete's here. Uh, Pat, I think, is partying in Vegas. Um, he was uh, a friend of mine, was in Vegas, and she texted me a video. Uh, with Pat being like, "Hey, Jared, not gonna make the podcast tonight." I'm cool, dude. Alcohol. If you overconsume it, that's not. It's not cool. Um, thank what, you. Yes, he, he also said. had a cigar in in his mouth in a pool at one point. Saw him post on Instagram. Yeah, he's looking pretty good though. I'll, I'll say for a guy that nonstop drinks for. Every waking second of his day, mm-hmm. he's he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, he could uh, he could look horrible. Like he could look older than he is, but he doesn't. He looks. I mean, I guess that's the professional athlete life. You still have that. The professional athlete genes kind of keep you from aging, at least at that stage. But that's why all the the guys that retire get fat after. But I would say Pat's probably got like three, four more years before he starts to get fat. About that timeline, yeah, we all might get fat. You know, who, you know who's not getting fat though? The kids, because kids, kids are not, not eating well, free. I'll be real, I'm I'm fat as fuck right now. <laughs> <laughs> After these last three games, I I'm a stress eater, man. I mm-hmm. I will eat and eat. I just. I ordered the nines right after the game ended because obviously the kids aren't eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody has to eat, and it's going to mm-hmm. be me. Uh, mm-hmm. I just destroyed some buffalo wings, some fries, some mozzarella moons. I'm concerned that, I won't be alive in three to four years. Tyler's. Just I thought you were going to say days. <laughs> Maybe. Potentially. Three to four years is an excellent prognosis. Uh, I've been having chest pains for about 72 straight hours. So Yeah. I didn't want to say anything because like, I actually do have a heart condition, but I thought I was having a heart attack uh, on Friday. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. So, I, dead serious. Like I, I think it was last season. Uh... The Red Sox were playing the Yankees. I believe it was at Yankee Stadium. And I can't recall the exact game situation, but something to the effect of like it was three to one Red Sox and like the Yankees had like runners at the corners and like someone got walked and like there was a big threat. And uh, it was the only time that this has ever happened because I wear my Apple Watch every day. I got an Apple Watch in the winter before the 21 season. And so I'm going on 
let's call it a year and a half of owning an Apple Watch, the two times, two times ever that my Apple Watch has ever been like, yo, are, are you good? <laughs> like has been uh, during like the Yankees Red Sox game last year. I tweeted the picture of it and uh, Friday night, like Friday night, my watch was like, hey, you're going to die if, if you don't stop doing whatever you're doing. Like, I don't know if you're running a marathon or what. But it was in the midst of the Blue Jays putting fucking 28 runs on the board. And I don't, it's not like a, like, so this is, I don't get bothered by many things that get tweeted at me on Twitter. The one thing that I do get bothered by is when, like, I'll see someone that's been following me since like 2013, 2014. And then, like, you see them like start to turn on you. They're like, yeah, bro, like he got too big and he just he doesn't reply to the OGs anymore. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't look at my mentions anymore because it's just every, if you go look at my Twitter from Friday night, I probably tweeted 15 times and the average number of replies per tweet was between 250 and 300 replies per tweet. And that's not like a humble brag to be like, yeah, look at all the people that tweet at me now. Like, no, no, no. 95% of those tweets were fuck you kill yourself the red sox suck your season's up. so like why would i sit there and look at that it's not like oh i don't have time to fucking look at all the people that are engaging it's like it is there's so much just shit posting under every single tweet that to sit there spend the hours that it would take to find like the hey man love the podcast you have to you have to go through thousands of shit posts to get like the couple of people that are like, hey man, love the show. Like it's just not it's just not worth it to to sacrifice your brain in that way. And that's essentially what Friday night was. Um because once you start to get into historic territory, which was what this was. Oh yeah. For, from a three game sample going back to the Yankee series before the break, uh including the Friday night 28 to 5 loss to Toronto. That was the worst uh, run differential in a three-game stretch in, in modern history. Yeah, it was like, what, like 49 Yeah, or something? So there's a difference between, all right, uh, Red Sox Twitter. And then, of course, with Red Sox Twitter, there's going to be Yankee Twitter. And then there's Blue Jays Twitter because you're playing the Blue Jays. Once you start to get from like, fuck, they just, you know, it's 15 to 3. Like, that's like an ass beating. Once you start to like break out the record books, that's when it becomes a national story. Yeah. And then outside of the national story, that's when you get people that don't even like, pay attention, or care about baseball commenting about it. Uh, so yeah, it was one of those nights where not only am I getting like thousands of tweets, but I'm also getting text messages and phone calls from people that I haven't heard from in, in years being like, Do you are you are you okay? Are you gonna die, dude? And I'm like, Yeah. Actually, my Apple Watch is telling me that I'm gonna fucking die. Do, do you remember the exact moment where it went off? Was it like Tapia cross and home plate after the Duran ball or was it, it later? It was it was watching Duran not run after the ball. And like we have to talk about that like situation yeah. in itself, not just the game. Um, but it was the moment of panic when I'm like, oh, my God, he doesn't realize that that wasn't a home run over the fence. Like it was then knowing that the bases were loaded, knowing that Verdugo is not going to get there in time, knowing that Duran is not running after this ball, knowing that this is going to be yet another highlight 
of everyone making the Red Sox the laughing stock of of baseball because um I mean there's there's been a bunch like between that and the Arroyo lost in the lights. It's then, a third time in three weeks that this yeah. has fucking happened to this team. And you, you can just, even count like in Tampa when 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 Bob, I mean, that one didn't really go as viral, but like Bob lost uh, a ball in the ceiling at the drop and like that dropped. But like these games, like the the moments are what we remember. Like we don't remember the fucking games. Like obviously he, they lost like they lost every fucking game in that series. Even in that game, what was it? 15 to three in the fifth inning or whatever it was. You have the ball fall between Devers, Pawecki and Ort. And they're kind of just sitting there. Alex Verdugo did like a somersault and left field at one point. Like on a ball that ended up rolling back. It's just, you look around, and I think with the Jaron Duran stuff, like people don't realize, listen, balls get lost in the light, whatever it may be. He is historically bad in like center field. I know we shit on Alex Verdugo last year when he was trying to play center field. The guy has negative seven defensive run saves in 196 innings. The worst among qualifying center fielders this year, and Duran doesn't even fit into that, is Brian Reynolds at minus eight. He's done that in 638 innings. Duran hit minus seven in 196. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. That's where you are. Do we want to start there since, like, I guess everyone knows how bad it is uh, situation-wise, but the Duran play, and uh, shout-out to Steve Buchanan at DraftKings. He had the the tweet because, I mean, again, like, it's it's that fucking Mr. Krabs meme where, like, the world is just spinning and you can't process your thoughts clearly. You you don't even know, like, what actually just happened. Um, He had the screenshot because after the game, I was like, I just want to like, I want to know what Duran has to say about the play. Like what, what happened? He, like, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. What the fuck happened? Um, and he said that he didn't run after the ball because he didn't want to collide with Verdugo. And Stevie B had the this, this still shot of Duran turning around to look at the ball. And it was a wide shot. And Verdugo is not in the frame yet. And you're the fastest fucking guy on the team. And like, like, I'd, and I'd like you're a if you human were... being with eyes. You can run after something without running into another person chasing the same thing. Like, think how easily he could have just said, I thought the ball was gone. If he just said, I thought the ball was gone, I didn't well, know. Well, like, he was like, he whined about it, too, after the fact. Didn't he say, like, you like, I'd like to see you guys go out there and, like, catch it. Like, when you go out there and catch it in, the, in Twilight or whatever, then you can just, talk. It's that whole shitty mindset. And, and that's the problem with a guy like Jaron Duran. You've come up, obviously, last year, you kind of fell on your face here. This year, you come up, you got hot, you're kind of going down. When you're playing under Alex Cora, we know what he prides himself in. It's the fundamentals. It's effort. That's the stuff he continues to put out there game after game. That's one of the reasons we like Alex Cora, because he preaches how to play the game of baseball in an old school way while bringing in the advanced analytics and different stuff and pairing them. What Jaron Duran did out there was just a lack of effort. And for a team that's drowning, that looks dead, um... I think it kind of told you where a lot of this team stands right now, where they know that most likely a lot of this core is not going to be here a week from now or, you know, eight days from now, whatever it's going to be. It just looked like someone who had given up, who had looked at it and felt like the season had flipped on them. And like he didn't a rookie lost in the lights, just not knowing what to do. And that's a scary feeling for a team when, you know, a lot of those leaders in that clubhouse aren't going to be here soon. So it's and- only going to get worse. You're only going to walk farther down that path is. These guys kind of leave the team. Yeah, and I got, like I got breaking news. Okay. Oh God, it's it's it could be a positive. It could be a positive, but I have I have an inside scoop. Okay. 
Red Sox are wearing yellow jerseys tomorrow. That'll do it. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. That type of energy will not be tolerated here. Uh, the yellow jerseys got wins in them. That is just an undisputed fact. Uh, if if they're not going to get a fucking... First of all, I think it is funny how, I don't know, we're a month remo- removed from Heim being like, we're going to, we need two righty relievers, which I took a lot of positive out of that because I was like, oh, you know, in deadlines past, they didn't really comment on what they were going for because th- we would go into it like Christmas morning being like, I don't know if there's going to be presents there. But Heim coming out and saying we need two righty relievers, it's like, all right, we, ha- con- we have confirmation that they're going to add that- and-, and they're going to add in the area that we actually need something. Since Heim said that, you need two righty relievers. You need uh, center fielder. Maybe two outfielders. Yeah, you need a right fielder. You need a center fielder. Uh, first baseman. You need a first baseman. You, you're, you can question whether you need a starter at this you point need a without starter, Chris Sale. And you also need Jesus. But we knew that. <laughs> we knew that. Um, but yeah, the list, that's why... Oh man, that's why the uh you know going into this homestand, it's a week and a half, 10 game homestand and it's like all right, this is where you find out if you're going to be buyers or sellers. But with all the injuries and players underperforming and everything like that, it's like even if they even if they go what, 7 and 3 on this homestand, that's not going to help the the length of the list that you need to add. You know what I mean? Like and even, even if you prove worthy enough, do you even have the assets or enough time to go out and add all the fucking pieces that you need to 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 go in October. And it's just like look around the Mariners. I look at the Mariners. A lot of people wanted to laugh at them after they got hot and then got cold. Uh, you know the Red Sox bulldozed them. That's a very good baseball team. Like don't fool yourselves. That pitching rotation will continue to do well. Uh, you know Mitch Haniger is about to be back for them. Getting him into that mix. Obviously Julio Rodriguez has been healthy since they came back from the break. I just I look at a team like that and I look where the Red Sox are. And it, it, let's just be realistic here. I think when you took sale out of this equation, uh, a lot of people will probably look at that as the moment this season kind of went to shit fully. Um, you know, what are you going to do? You're looking at a situation down the stretch where you have to depend on a rotation of Nate Evaldi, whose velocity is now down, who does not really look like himself. Nick Pavetta, who's in the middle of one of his complete garbage streaks. You have Michael Walker, who's a candidate for regression. You know, let's be real. He's not going to pitch to a three year a this whole year. Uh, Rich Hill. He's 43, 42, whatever. You know, you're hoping for him to give you something. And then what? Cutter Crawford at this point, probably over Josh Winkowski. Like, that's what you're leaning on is you play against the AL East constantly down the stretch. Like, those are the guys and you're already short in your bullpen. Yeah. Like, I, I think you have to kind of be serious here and you just look around. You really don't have a lot of pieces going into next season that you can depend on on this team. You really don't. Hopefully, Tristan Cassis will step into first base. You have Trevor Story. Great. You don't know what you're doing with Xander Bogarts. I think Rafael Devers will still be here. I don't, I don't think he's even a likelihood or a slight possibility that he's traded this deadline. Vasquez is gone. Look in the outfield. Center field and right field are going to be holes. Alex Verdugo's hit you know, since June 1st. How much can you depend on him? It's a down year from him, and he still hasn't become the player you wanted him to be. Eventually, you have to make decisions about how you're going to fill these holes moving forward. And I think for Heim, the last thing he's ever going to do is waste an asset. He's not going to be 2019 Dave Dombrowski, which really cost him his job in a lot of ways. They're yeah. not going to fall down that same hole. I, I just have a hard time seeing them do that. And 
if they're looking at it and they're just trying to compete against the Mariners, like I, I don't think they're going to value that that highly because yeah. I think you're looking at the Blue Jays and the Rays and they're not even the same stratosphere because the Rays, they've survived a lot of the injuries they've gone through. They've been you know brutalized by different stuff. Their farm system's above yours in the rankings. You know why? Well, part of it is a lot of their holes in the injuries that have happened. They had a lot of position players that were at AAA and ready to help. You had pitchers. Some of those pitchers have performed. You really don't have the position players. And that's why you see Jeter Downs, who's not a big league player right now, may never be realistically. And he's making two errors on routine ground balls. The third yeah. base. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, that I kind of wanted to add was people talking about like Bayo today and, and his three starts. Is it three or four? It's three. Three. Three, three starts at the big league level. Uh questioning the Red Sox depth and it's like the Red Sox depth is the reason why they don't have a losing record right now. So you got through May and June because of that depth. It, yeah. it carried you. You lost Garrett Whitlock and you lost Nate Evaldi for a month and you got Josh Winkowski and Cutter Crawford to give you consistent good starts. Yeah. yeah. I'm like in part of the, you know, look at AAA within itself. Some of that depth has gotten hurt. Tristan Cassis, like he, sh- he would be up on this team by now if he didn't get hurt. Just Definitely. coming back. You know, those are things you have to talk about and you have to look at here. If some of these injuries don't happen in the rotation, maybe one of Cutter Crawford or Josh Minkowski is in the bullpen helping you. Yeah. Maybe Matt Strom isn't hurt. You have him in the bullpen. Like, but, to, but to their point, though, like I think Bogarts has made this point and Cora's made it multiple times saying, you know, no one's going to feel bad for us. Like we have our injuries, but no one's going to feel bad for us. Um, You mentioned the Rays. They've had their injuries when they swept the Red Sox. They were probably at their most injured and they swept you. So I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse. Uh, I, I think. I think the word is probably defense in a way when as it pertains to Heim Bloom, like when people are like, you can still I'm not. I'm not 100% on the defend Bloom side, and I'm not 100% on the blame Bloom side. There's room for both here because the defense side of it is, I mean, they have the depth, but the depth got hurt. <laughs> so uh, you can blame Bloom for going into this season uh, without the necessary pieces to really contend. you know. And the point has been made prior to this that even adding Trevor Story they like Trevor Story like fell into their fucking lap. Like you can't sit there and tell me that Trevor Story was the plan all along. I think it was just like, fuck, man, we really didn't do anything to replace Renfro's offense, and you know we got to get some sort of right-handed bat in here. And we didn't re- bring back Kyle Schwarber, so uh, Trevor Story. Like that's what it felt like. So yeah, like you can definitely for sure blame Heimbloom for the position that the team is in right now, but you also have to give some credit for the the depth pieces in a way that have at least kept them to to this point at at, at least a, a not a losing club but tomorrow that could change tomorrow they have fallen to 500 after being what 12 games up 11 11 games up and now uh they're back at 500 and if they don't win the series opener against the guardians then they will be under 500 again it's dark. It's a bad place to be. And I think how you're putting it, uh, listen, Hunter Renfro hit his third, or was third yeah, third straight day with the homer right now. 
that that's a miss right now. I like Alex Benellis, whatever you want to say. He's been promoted to double A now. Hitting homers. Hunter Renfro on this team would have completely changed where you were at. Massive mistake. The guy you go and pay, Trevor Story, has underperformed when he's been healthy. Just the reality of the situation. You came into this year when that lockout ended and your plan was to have Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock in that bullpen. Chris Sale got hurt. You had to move Tanner Houck. You never did anything to fix it. It led us down this entire road of jerking Whitlock back and forth. Same with Houck, where they both really didn't have their roles figured out, uh, you know, until what, June-ish into the year. Uh, Whitlock even farther after he got hurt. Um, there, there's just been multiple levels. The Xander Bogart's contract discussions. Raphael Devers letting that come into this season and be a major storyline. Um, I do think some of the stuff like the seven, eight, nine stuff people have been crying about with the lineup. Stats had a good tweet on this today. Like this year, seven, eight, nine for the Red Sox, 216, 277, 355 going into today. That's better than Tampa, who's 202, 270, 341. Houston's 202, 270, 341. So while I think some of that stuff has been fair to criticize about them having those holes at the bottom of the lineup, um, I think a lot of it really just goes back to not doing what you need to to keep that production from Hunter Renfro last year in this lineup and the handling of the pitching staff. It really starts there and stems out. Uh, and those go back to the offseason and the big debated points. I think you can hold Heim. And as many things as Heim did great in 2021, he's undone some of them in 2022 and made plenty of player evaluation mistakes. And that's scary to me. I, I think you look at Matt Barnes, significant miss. Jake Diekman, significant miss. Like we're, Trevor Story right now is a miss. Like you're talking about a lengthy list of Heim Bloom decisions here that are not hitting. There's some. Strom, Waka, Hill, you know, all three are injured. Waka and Hill. I think Waka, especially this is a second IL stint. You can hold them on that. Those are real things to, you know, crap on him for. Um, but at the same time, I think this was a team that had some holes in them. You know, there was water leaking into the boat, leaking into the boat. And when this recent stretch of injuries happened against the teams you needed to win against and perform against, the bottom of the boat fell out from underneath you. It seems it just seems like there's like about a lot of complacency and not a lot of uh, I think like his biggest misses are not putting in place the safety nets that would have kind of helped keep this team with its head above water when when shit went south or thinking those safety nets will last you forever when in reality they're just safety nets like yeah. thinking Franchi Cordero was going to be able to carry you consistently uh, who's been broken for the whole month of July when you could have gone and got Carlos Santana who hit his ninth home run yesterday and continues to be a huge boost for them in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And that's where it is. It, I think Heim Bloom this year, for a lot of people who wanted to call it a bridge year or whatever at the beginning of the year, and I think a lot of people, including myself, pushed back to it or pushed back against it, they've acted like this year was a bridge year. And that's just the reality of the situation. Makes no sense. And, no. And Xander Bogart said at the All-Star game, openly admitted, like, hey, the whole contract thing is, has been a distraction for me. Like, they're going to be some fans are like, oh, you're a professional, but you're supposed to be able to put that stuff aside and, and go play and win games. And you're supposed to be a leader and the captain. You're letting that distract you. We're all human beings. Xander Bogarts is a human being. Would you rather he lie and and say, no, I haven't thought about it? Like, of course he has. Like, this is the only organization he's ever known since he was a teenager. Um, He wants to be here. The Red Sox are dicking him around. And everyone is talking about it constantly. Like there's, there has not really been a lull in the Xander Bogarts contract stuff since the lockout ended. Like we've oh. been talking about Xander Bogarts and his contract since the lockout ended, and that's gone into the season. 
I'm sure everywhere he goes, he's asked about it. I've seen it. You know, like I've seen it. Like even even guys, uh, not necessarily media members, that will like ask Xander about his contract. And then he goes to the All-Star game and it's supposed to be like a moment of celebration. Yeah, you made another All-Star team. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, what about your contract though? Like I'm sure he was asked about that a billion times when he was in LA for the All-Star game because that's what everyone wants to know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I feel for him. Uh, I I agree that that would probably be a distraction for most of us if if we were in like the last year of our contract and we couldn't get any sort of communication going. You don't know what your future is after that year, and it's where you want to be. Like he he really, I mean, we we can talk about his defense. I mean, was that you, Tyler, that had the tweet the other day about uh about his defense taking us? It's like the best he's ever been defensively. Yeah, you look at it this year uh, in his career. Every single season, he's posted you know negative defensive runs saved out there. This year, he's gone it up to zero, which is league average. And in outs above average, he's somewhere in the 70s and the 70th percentile, which is well above average. And look at today's game. That's yeah. all you need to say. You, he made multiple plays today that were impressive. Yeah. Um, and I was someone who shit all over Xander Bogarts. So I'll be the first person. I always wanted him here, but I shit on his defense. And I continue to say, like, I thought maybe he had a year there, maybe two most. He can play there for at least another two years. And I think Trevor Story coming along has helped. But Trevor Story's been out. He's still making very nice plays over there. Um, And I I look at it. I think, I don't know if you guys caught this, J.D. Martinez's comments two weeks ago-ish to Rob Bradford. And at that time, I think the picture of the Red Sox selling was, you know, significantly less, obviously. Um, He was even saying, like, you know, I don't really know what could happen between now and the trade deadline. Um, You know, I've been moved before, but the way I look at it is a win-win. Um, simply because either I'm going to be here and contend or I'm going to be on another team and contend. And that just tells me, all right, this is a Red Sox team that doesn't know where the front office is going, that doesn't really feel like they're in lockstep with the front office. And I think it goes back to last year where they were disappointed at the trade deadline with what the Red Sox did. Um, and that bleeds. That bleeds into all these guys. When you look at the leader in your clubhouse and Xander Bogarts, the guy Dustin Pedroia just said, oh, when I first saw him, I knew he was going to be a Red Sox for 15 years. When you look at him and you're not sure, oh, is this guy going to be around next year? Is Rafael Devers going to be around here the year after that? And you don't know the future of the organization you're with? That's a scary thing. And if we're sitting here and we can't tell you right now that, you know, who knows what this Red Sox team is going to look like six months from now? Who knows what they're going to look like on opening day 2023? Of course, these guys feel that way. And of yeah, course it's, it's, on their it's a mind. dark cloud over the team and it's a weight on the players shoulders, especially Bogarts and endeavors like it's where you live. It's like your your friends, like obviously it's a business and shit, but that stuff weighs on you. You talk about it. It's, it. You're a human being. And especially with the club kind of the way that they are right now, where the the on field stuff is not exactly a pleasant distraction either. So it's like you're having a shit time at the ballpark. Then you go home and you're like, uh, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be here. Like, I don't I don't even know if I can get comfortable. So, like, it, it's it, it definitely does bleed. And it's hard to blame a guy like Bogarts right now if, like, it's eating away at him because it's shit during the day and then it's shit at night. <laughs> like, right. that's it. Yeah. It's like during the day, you're fielding questions about your contract. And then at night, you're going out there and getting smoked by every yeah. team that you play. It's like. You know the fans are starting to boo, which, I mean, in New York they'll they'll boo you for going like zero for four with three strikeouts on opening day. 
here to get booed at Fenway, it takes a lot. Yeah, especially now. Like, yeah, it takes it, a lot. Maybe 20 years ago, no, but like now, it, fans don't turn on you that quickly. Right. But when you lose 28 to, to four or five or whatever it was, like yeah. that'll that'll stick around for a little bit. Yeah, and and I think for the most part, Red Sox fans, uh, all they want is effort. All they want, like, if if you're out there busting your ass and you're losing, it is what it is. But I think the optics of the Duran play don't sit well with people. And the response. Yeah. Then the comments after don't sit well with people. Um, you know, just like the the errors. I mean, Jeter Downs is putting, again, like Rafael, we haven't even mentioned, like Rafael Devers going on the injured list before this series or after the, the first game of the series. And Jeter Downs is now your starting third. Like the the like Christian Vasquez is playing first base. I mean, what the fuck, man? It, like, it tells you how desperate they are. And like Jeter Downs playing third base. Just a reminder, he had never played third base in his entire professional baseball career mm-hmm. until he got up here a month ago. And he's trying to figure it out over there. There are a lot of people that fit that description. I've never played this position in my life. And I need to figure it out at the big league level where this team has spent a lot of money on this roster. And we're not in a playoff spot, and we're trying to fight every day for our for our lives up here. Some guys are playing uh, for the playoff picture. Some guys are playing to keep their fucking jobs. Like I, I, I go back to Christian Arroyo, a guy that um, was asked to play right field when when he's an infielder, and he, I mean, his spot is not guaranteed. And and it's like, all right, you want to earn playing time? Well, not only do you. Have, you got to go out there, you got to hit and you got to go out there and you have to play a position that you've never played before. And it's not like the, like the difference with, with Jeter Downs, you're he's still an infielder. I mean, it's still a, it's still a tall task to, to move to third base if you've never played third base before. But at least he's an infielder. You're asking an infielder in Christian Arroyo to go out there and play right field. There's just been there's been too much of that. There's been too much of that this year, putting guys out of position and expecting positive results. Like, it feels I, like it feels like a video game mentality. Like it, like when I was 12 years old, I would stick a guy at a position that like he didn't fucking play. I'd be like, oh, well, it's a video game character. How hard could it be? Like it'll translate. I'll get by. And they're just doing that with real life people like in eight different spots now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like the thing is, you can do that once in a while. Like you can push a guy and try a guy in a different spot. It's just. It can't be multiple spots on the diamond. It can't be regularly doing that, especially when you're over the luxury tax. Like you've spent money, you've gone over. There's no excuse for you have not to fill one of those spots and give you something just more dependable, just strictly on a defensive basis on some of these positions where you can relax and know they're going to catch the ball. Like a lot of these guys, no disrespect to Christian Arroyo, JBJ, Bobby Delbick, Franchi Cordero. At this point, you know, obviously, some are, you know, there's injuries playing a part in this. They're not hitting or fielding. There's no positive there. And I just don't understand why in those spots, Hein Bloom has not been able to respond and do something to address those needs. Instead of realizing and saying, oh, well, this is wrong. It feels like at times they want to sit back and say, watch, we'll be right. And like, that's just not how you do it. The Rays have tried positional moves that have not worked out. And they've admitted when they haven't worked out. And they've kept guys in those spots. Instead, the Red Sox will rather let guys go out there and have these moments that demoralize you. like. Fly balls being dropped, like Franchi Cordero not running a ball in, you know, when the when the play's dead overall. They just won't stop and admit those wrongs. And I don't know. I I, I think Heim 
you, there's a lot of fair criticism and it just starts number one this year's roster construction. And that's where the majority of blame goes. Did injuries ultimately sink your season? I think so. But the reason you have no breathing room is because a lot of those roster construction issues. You I do like that uh, that like a bunch of people. I saw a bunch of people being like, what the fuck is up with the lights at Fenway? Like they haven't played baseball there for like 115 years and like n- no visiting team really struggles to catch the ball in the lights. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not the fact that they're just playing guys completely out of position and they have no idea what they're doing. Right. It's crazy. And the other thing, too, about the roster construction is the guys that we're talking about potentially not being here next year are all the best players. Yeah, right. <laughs> the guys like, you can depend on. Right. It's like, all right, so we get all this money coming off the books. Uh, Xander Bogarts is going to be gone. JD Martinez <laughs> is going to be gone. Nathan Avaldi is going to be gone. And then you can, it's like, all right, cool. So we're left with all the players who, like haven't done dick. Like, that That's what we're left with. Uh, and then, you know, it's like, all right, so Rafael Devers is going to be here for what? One more year. You're just going to have Rafi on a team next year. That looks nothing like the team this year, or the year before that went to the playoffs and were two games from the world series. Uh, I just I don't know. And that's why I keep going back to the question. Does this team have a plan? Do, like I can't like I give Heim Bloom so much credit here. And it's almost blind faith because he's a smart guy and he came from a very smart baseball organization that built winners every single year. Maybe they weren't championship teams, but he built winners. And so far, because I don't think that coming into 2021 especially coming off of 2020, anyone was sitting there being like, yeah, this team has a shot to, to get to the World Series. We were just like, you know what? It'd be nice to, to play good ball this year and, and get in and see what happens. And we saw what happened. And I think most of us were pleasantly surprised with what happened. But this team, and now we're, we're you know, a few years removed now from 2019 when, when Heim got here. And I just, I'm, I'm left wondering, what is the plan? There has to be a plan. There's no way that you know front office members are just showing up to Fenway Park every day, being like, "I don't know, dude. Like, what the fuck we're we gonna do today? You guys want to play video games? Like, there has to be some sort of plan, uh, and there has to be some sort of target year of like, all right, we can roll this roster out here for seasons X, Y, and Z. We can supplement. You know, we'll try and find some diamond in the rough guys here and there to maybe hit on one. Maybe we miss and see what happens in October. But there has to be a year in mind where it's like, once everything lines up, if we can lock down this extension here, maybe we make this trade here. We're looking at this free agent class. We're targeting this guy for this position so that by this year, this is this is when we're all in. Yeah, like, I'm going like to need a PowerPoint. But that, that, I'm going to need a power PowerPoint presentation. Need need that. We'll yeah, see- I, I just want to know, like, what, like when is because they'll net because it's a business and they want to sell tickets every single year and they want people to tune in to watch the games. You'll never get someone on record being like, you know, the target year is really 2025. Like, it, like that's the year that we feel is the this core will go full force. Yeah, like that's when everyone will like like it's the next great Red Sox core. 2018, that was a great t- 2007, great Red Sox core, homegrown and they dominated to a World Series. Uh 13 they lucked into one. 18, that was the next great Red Sox core that won a championship together. So 
I mean, next year will be what five years since 2018. You're talking half a decade. So where is the like? Where is the target season for the next great Red Sox core to all come to fruition? And and then that's when you're serious about paying guys like Devers, paying guys like Bogarts, making trades that make people go, "Holy shit, they did what?" Like that. It's been. It's been what five years, six years since since the Chris Sale trade. Like that was the one where we were like, "Holy fucking shit, they are going for it." They just they packaged up some of their top prospects. They went out and got a bona fide ace stud, and with that guy, they won a championship. When is that next big one coming? Because it, th- that's what leads to championships. Like I get that Heim Bloom can draft and develop players, and he wants to have sustained success. That's great. I want sustained success too. I'm not all about blowing it up like Dave Dombrowski did and going all in for one championship season, although that was pretty fucking cool. I had a lot of fun in 2018, but I would much rather... Eh, I don't want to say I would much rather. I'll take a, you know, the, the Red Sox method of championship, suck, 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 championship, suck, suck, championship. But it would be nice to, I guess, have a more su- sustained success model of, of how to do it around here. And that's the biggest thing I hold Heim on because that was the slogan when he came in here. You know, we're preaching sustainability and this isn't sustainability. This is what we've seen realistically for the last 12-ish years um, of up and down Red Sox behavior and franchise behavior. And I think we're looking at Heim right now and that blurriness. It's like you had a chance this offseason to figure some of this stuff out. You weren't super active this offseason. Obviously, you paid Trevor Story. Great. But you didn't cement Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts. It had to just be one of them you could lock in. And I think the frustrating thing here is, you know, in 2021, we see them not put all the chips in because they don't want to go over the luxury tax. Basically telling you, all right, we don't think this is the year we're going to push everything forward. We're not going to give, you know, we're not going to burn a majority of our resources to try and win a championship. Well, okay, we go to the offseason. You make a bunch of moves. You end up paying Trevor Story and you go over the luxury tax. Well, hey, you're over the luxury tax. You realize this is about a two-year window for these teams. You get over the luxury tax for two, you push all the way, and then you got to get back underneath like the Yankees had to do the previous year. Um, And now this year, we see they're pushing back over uh, because they went under. You reset. You stayed under last year. You didn't come through this year and show that behavior that you were willing to invest in this team and give a real chance. What I loved about Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers was while they sat under the luxury tax, they didn't go and push all the way through until 2020, and they gave that mega deal to Mookie Betts. And they said, all right, this is the time. We're going to give everything. We have the farm system. We got to push for it. Now, they got lucky in 2020. They didn't go over because of David Price opting out. It kept them underneath. Now they've gone over. Well, it felt like in a lot of ways going into this year, you could have handed that mega extension out to Rafael Devers. You could have cemented your core for the next, you know, 10-ish years, whatever it may be, five to seven years, however you want to put it. And you had a farm system that was about top 10 in money to spend. And you just didn't do that. And I think that's why now, you know, in eight days, Heim, you know, you're, this is the road right here. This is where you either try to go down the Andrew Friedman route. uh, And it's not, that doesn't mean going out and buying um, or you're going to go the Ben Charrington route. You need to go get foundational pieces. You need to take a step back here uh, and kind of reassess. Or you could go the Ben Charrington route, kind of, you know, still have no plan for you and then go into this offseason and probably panic sign a couple guys because you think you could be fired at the end of next year. That's where you got to go. You need to have a plan. You need to show the foresight of an Andrew Friedman who showed it for years. It just feels like this team does not have it right now. And you had an opportunity at it last offseason and you sped at it for what reason? 
I still don't understand why. And I think that's why a lot of the people who've gone and said, well, look at John Henry, look at the Red Sox, you know, this team is no longer a priority. It gives them fuel to that argument with stuff like that. Because it truly does feel like this organization right now doesn't have a clear direction. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to pose this question to the panel. I'm going to do an ad read. And on the outside of that ad read, we're going to get into the question. The question is, are we prepared for the Red Sox to sell at the trade deadline? Are we prepared for deadline day to come? And we are in, in an, how many weeks? Two weeks time left yeah. with a barren wasteland of not very good baseball players and a bad baseball team that's going to tank the rest of the way for a draft pick. And, are and, we prepared for that? And let me throw this on it. Are we prepared to say we might have seen the last time Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts were on the field together as Red Sox? Yeah. Turn, t- turn <laughs> sorry. big league action into big winnings with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $100 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. At DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll, you'll be able to bet on your favorite batter to hit a double in his next plate appearance, your favorite pitcher's next pitch to be a strike, and so much more. And... That would be very cool to implement into the stream. Which, by the way, Milliken, I uh, I sold you to a stream with Matt McCarthy. Did you hear that? I did not hear that. Yeah. So it's, I said uh, I talked about the stream with McCarthy, and um, I said you're invited, but Milliken's going to be there too. Okay, that's fair. I, I get sick of listening to him in general, but uh, right, I'll do it for you. I appreciate that. Uh, once, once that is like up and running, I mean, that, that'll be pretty cool to be able to just, I mean, if the Red Sox are going to suck, then to be able to just bet on, uh, ball strike, ball and play, if someone's going to hit a double, like that's, that's at least keeps you engaged. If the games are going to suck, DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever the fuck you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $100 in free bets instantly. That is promo code Jared, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Uh, by the way, people were on the Section 10 Reddit were asking about the shows being on YouTube. Uh, we're waiting. F- I mean, it was next week, three weeks ago. Where are we at, Jake? Yeah, I'm just waiting for them to send me the login. Literally the credentials, but uh, yeah, it should definitely be this week. It's <laughs> it's been it's been this week, next week since like fucking late April. It's crazy. I, yeah, I don't disagree. It's the second half of the season. We still don't have the ability to just fucking post videos from this show. Um, but that's all right. Hey, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it this this week coming up, right, Jake? Yeah, this week, baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can't wait. Is this the week we get a name too? Uh, asking for a lot, Pete. Yeah, you are asking one thing at a time. Okay, all right, fine. One thing at a time, Peter. We got to get video first, and then we can get, have a name. Um. So that brings us to this question: Are we? First of all, do we think that that's where we're headed? And if the answer across the board is yes, are we mentally prepared for that? I just want yes or no. I'm just going to ask. Go across. Are the Red Sox going to be sellers at the trade deadline, Peter? 
Yes. Tyler. Yes. Jake. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Jared. Um, my fear. Here is my worst nightmare. My worst nightmare is that they don't really do anything. That's if my they, fear. Yeah, same. Yeah, if I they think that, that's the worst possible outcome. Yeah, if they 2019 Dombrowski it and they go get fucking Andrew Kashner and tell me this is what we're going to do, I'd rather jump off a bridge. Just tell me, and this goes back to your point, Jared, tell me what direction you're going in. Just yeah. show so, the direction. So let me, let me kind of shift it a little bit because when we say sell, I think fans act emotionally. Uh, the team is 500. They haven't even really come close to winning a game in like three weeks. They're historically bad over this stretch. What does sell mean to you? Because to me, I don't, I don't necessarily... Like, like, even if you're going to sell, I don't know that... I need to know what their intentions are when the season ends. Are you going to actually pursue Xander Bogarts? Or is one year 30 million or fucking four years 90, whatever it was, is that your best offer? Or are you going to actually have a discussion with this guy and try to be competitive to re-sign him? If the answer is yes, I'm not trading Xander Bogarts. I will run the risk of getting nothing for him if my true intentions are to come somewhere close to the best offer that you think he's going to get. If that's where you're at, like you're just trying to like nickel and dime him here and there, which is a terrible strategy, by the way. Um, If you're trying to come in low because he's going to come in high and then hope that you meet in the middle, if that's what you're doing right now, but when it comes down to it in the off season, if you're prepared to be to give him a real offer, that, that you know a team somewhere else is going to sign him for, if your intentions are to be in that conversation, you do not trade him. You run the risk of him signing somewhere else, you getting nothing for him. If you're actually like, if it comes out that he signs for X and your offer was Y and those offers are at least close or competitive, I can swallow that pill of getting nothing for Xander Bogarts because what I can't swallow is. The Red Sox trading Xander at the deadline so that now, I mean, we've seen it before. We don't need to go through the history of John Lester and everything else trading him to the A's and all of John Lester's quotes saying, I thought I could never play for another organization. Um, We had him on Section 10 and I asked him, if the Red Sox never traded you, do you think the odds of you returning to Boston in free agency would have been much higher? And he said, yes. Learn from history. Do not let history repeat itself. If you intend to pay Bogarts, do not trade him. I'm okay with the risk of him signing elsewhere and you getting nothing for him. So, if you're going to sell, um, some of the names, uh, I mean, it sucks because Kike, who the fuck knows, like if he were healthy, like that's a piece that could help a team. Um, I, I think it's Nate. JD. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade Schreiber. I'd hold on him, but mm-hmm. I'd, you know, Matt Strom, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Got to throw him in that mix. Uh, you could go down, you know, obviously you're not dealing Whitlock. You're not dealing, dealing Hauk. Um, 
those are the names, you know, just basically anybody on the table that like who you is probably not factoring into your team next year should be on the table. Christian Vasquez should really be at the top of that, considering, you know, the two homers he hit on Friday. Um, You know, he's been one of the most surprising players on the team this year and really been one of the reasons you stayed afloat. You know, it didn't seem like the Red Sox were in love with him over the offseason when they were about to go get Jacob Stallings. So throw him into that pile as well. But I, I think, Jared, that's the big thing. You just really got to grow up, Haim, and you got to show what you're going to do here. You can take that risk with Xander Bogarts if you truthfully, truthfully believe you're going to try. If not, deal him. Own it. If, if you're going to sit there and you're going to say, fuck Xander Bogarts, we're not going to pay this man and we're going to have Trevor Story at shortstop this year. OK, own it. Deal him. Go treat it like 2014. Go get pieces on your team. Go get me a Joe Kelly that's going to help contribute to the next World Series. You know what I mean? Go get those pieces, a Heath Hembury and the Jake Peavy deal. Um, you know, Yoana Cespedes for Rick Porcello. All those moves that kind of played out over time. Go get those pieces and own what direction you're going instead of this middleman walking in the middle, not committing. Oh, we're not going to go all the way. You know, we're going to go over the luxury tax, but we're not going to make a push for a World Series. Just stop with it. You need to have a consistent plan. And I think where the Red Sox are right now, they can get back under the luxury tax. Get under it. Go. Don't make... This year is even more of a failure if you enter it over the luxury tax. Get underneath it. And you can do that by trading, I believe, JD and Evaldi, plus other pieces. Who knows? Someone wants to take on JBJ just as a defensive fourth outfielder. Great. Someone will do that. I bet a playoff team. Um, And he's hit a couple homers recently. Do it. Get underneath and keep the clock at least somewhat on track because it's gone off the roads this year. You need a plan moving forward. And I just I hope the biggest lesson they take from this year is we need Xander Bogarts. Because I don't know how you look at what's going on around you and you say, I can picture us competing next year or even the year after that without him. Yeah. I don't know, man. How? How do you look at that? I don't... Who else? Rafael Devers, yes. Better player at this point. We get it top of the line. After him? And the guy he looks up to is Xander Bogarts. Mm -hmm. And he is the leader. Who can you lean on? I love Devers. Expecting him to take over this clubhouse immediately, it's a big ass for a guy you're not even willing to pay yet. Right. And JD. Yeah, seriously. Like, and all the hitters De- go to JD. Devers was going off about it, just talking about how much JD meant to him. And I think that's another leadership thing that doesn't get counted a lot. Um, I think realistically, the Red Sox didn't want him to opt in. Uh, and he he opted in. And I, I like JD. JD's done his part. Obviously, he hasn't hit for power like he's needed to uh, this year. But he's an all-star, and you got to respect that. Um, you got to fill these holes. You need to start to go get some of these guys that you can look at and say, all right, they're going to be part of this organization for the next three to four years. That needs to be your target. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and if you're not willing to push in, it's just like if you sit in the middle and you go to this offseason, I just I don't know what you're doing because I felt like that was a major issue going into this season that you did not have enough pieces you could look at for the next couple of years. And one of those pieces you traded was Hunter Renfro. That had team control. That could have stuck around here for the next, you know, two to three years. And you could have looked at as a main core piece. You were willing to throw that away. You better hope Alex Pinellas becomes something. Yeah, they need to they need to approach this trade deadline with conviction. Um, If you're it's a long shot now, but if you're going to approach this deadline as buyers. Do that with conviction. Don't give me fucking Johnny Slapdick from the Pittsburgh Pirates 
and and be like, yeah, we you know we got someone, or like a first baseman that no one's ever heard of. Be like, yeah, no, we we plug that hole. Dom Smith. Yeah, like don't don't give me that. If you're gonna buy, fucking buy, and if you're gonna sell, blow it up. You know, like I think Red Sox fans, we've been here before, but I think why this one is different is because of the the Bogarts piece to all this. Um, you can say you want to build and win at the same time, but when you're frozen in the middle because you're scared to, you know, lean heavily in one direction or go one route, this is where you end up. Mm-hmm. And they're not winning now anyway. So, like, what are you scared of? Like, exactly. Like this, if, we're, if you're going to blow it up and you'd be like, oh, well, the rest of the season's going to suck. It looks like the rest of the season's going to suck anyway. So may as well start building towards something. Yeah. And you, you should have already been doing that, you know, in this month. Like a Jerry DePoto is willing to do, but you didn't. Yeah. You sat on your ass and still hoped that Franchi Cordero was going to figure it out or that, you know, Rob Snyder would somehow carry this team. Well, it doesn't matter when the whole team gets injured. The thing that kind of sticks out in my mind now is how I keep going back to them being stubborn in regards to admitting fault in the case of Garrett Whitlock when he was an electric reliever and then you put him in the rotation. It didn't work out, and the only way that he was going to go back into the bullpen was if he went on the injured list, and then you maneuvered him back in that way. If if he never got hurt, he would probably still be in the rotation, stinking it up with like a four and a half ERA. So, on that note, I think this is just kind of thinking out loud here. But trading JD, if you trade JD. Part of me is thinking like, oh, now they're going to get crushed for not bringing back Schwarber because you could have signed Kyle Schwarber to lead the fucking American League in homers. And that would have, I don't know, it's its not going to help defensively, but at least you would have had a consistent offensive performer at first base as a stopgap for a year while you're waiting for Tristan Cassis. And then when you know you move on from JD whether that be via trade at this deadline or at the end of the year via free agency uh then Schwarber just slides right in as your as your DH it just seemed seems like a perfect fit now uh so yeah like that's another thing where it's like oh do they just ride it out with JD because they don't want people to be like oh you should have kept Schwarber dude i mean people are saying that anyway people are saying that anyway but i think if they were to trade JD uh, that kind of opens up that discussion once more of did you really swing and miss that hard on Schwarber and free agency this past offseason? Especially yeah, you, considering you some of his comments at the All-Star break. You know, you know what I mean? Him talking about Boston and how really they never came to him after the lockout. Like it was never any serious conversation. How was there no serious conversation for the guy who completely brought this team back to life? That put this team on his back, that actually got them a plate approach and helped mm-hmm. them get by was one of the reasons helped fix Bobby Delbeck and made him pr- a productive big leaguer for some time. Someone who came in and really had a JD Martinez like effect where other hitters looked at him and went to him for advice as someone who was a leader in that clubhouse. When you could have went and traded Bobby Delbeck and capitalized on what will probably be the greatest two month stretch of his career. Yeah. Instead, you committed. You said, you know what? We're going to hold on to Bobby, De- Bobby Delbeck because we're going to take a victory lap on Bobby Delbeck producing those last two months. Those are talent evaluation failures. And that's terrifying. It that, makes that's it, it makes even less sense. It makes even less sense that the Red Sox did not approach Kyle Schwarber after the lockout because I know that 
um, during the playoffs, those sides were talking. Like that's Whoa. how. Yeah, yeah. When the Red Sox were in the playoffs, the Red Sox were talking to Schwarber's team about a reunion. So like they were talking early, hadn't even been the off season yet. And now, Jared, I don't want to timeline you to death here because I know obviously you got shit, uh, a lot of shit in your life. I remember you had spoke to Schwarber during the lockout, was it? Or was it right before the lockout or something like that? And it felt like his vibe on coming back to Boston was definitely not negative or downwards. It was, yeah, you know, we had some good talks. And I think once the lockout ended or whatever it was, we were going to get back into those conversations. So I I think this was... When did Schwarber sign? In March? Yeah, it was like a little after the lockout had... Uh, Come to an end. So here's the timeline. Uh, the timeline is that I know that the Red Sox and Schwarber's team were talking during the playoffs. So they were like, let's get in early and see what this is going to take. So those conversations were happening before the season even ended. And then uh, a friend of mine, I think, ran into him at, at like, the super, uh, whoever his team is, it was at like an NFL game, Sosh Warber. And they were like, Hey, you come back to the Red Sox? And his reaction was like, eh, I don't think so. Like he, he did like the, like the throat slash thing. <laughs> he was like, Yeah, I don't think so. So I, somewhere along the line, uh, I think maybe the Red Sox were told a number and they were like, Huh, no thanks. And that was it. After you had already gone over the fucking or, you know, you went over the luxury tax with Trevor's story. That, that's the shit that makes you sit there and say, there's no plan here. Like, if yeah. you're over the luxury tax, what, what are we doing here? Why are you sitting here and scared? You're already pushing over. So pay Kyle Schwarber, set yourself up for the immediate to win and the future. So you have a replacement for J.D. Martinez and you have a solution or at least some kind of plan at first base and arguably the outfield. Like, if you really had to get down to it and you had to go play Kyle Schwarber in the outfield to fill a hole, you could have done that. Go mm-hmm. play left field and move Verdugo to right. Verdugo and right would have been a nightmare. Uh, see, I, I think he was fine there in 2020. He wasn't a nightmare. I, you know, what's Verdugo of today, I think, is Verdugo a different. Verdugo in center was bad. Yes, in which, let's be real, as Verdugo was never a center fielder. But right. do I think they could get by if he had to play right field? Yeah, it's better than what you have with two holes in the outfield right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I really don't know what to expect at this deadline. I think a lot of fans, after seeing what they've seen, essentially since the ninth inning of the, f- the first Yankee game in the Yankee Stadium, that's when it really went all downhill. Which, by the way, crazy that they still won that game. If they had lost that game, it would have been the perfect starting point. Where it's like, you had what? Like a 4-3 lead in the ninth. And then you just blow it, go on to get swept. You get blown out in the next two. You historically get blown out the first game after. And then you go on to get swept by the Blue Jays. You still haven't beaten an AL East opponent in a series. Um, and here we are. I mean, you know, the, the, the Guardians are at least one of the, the wild card teams that you're going up against. But now, uh, if you look at the wild card standings, you are at the time of this recording. It is 7.10 p.m. Eastern Standard on Sunday night. You're tied in the loss column with the Baltimore Orioles. They're a half game back of you. The Chicago White Sox are tied with you. They fucking have sucked all year. And you're tied with the Chicago White Sox. The Cleveland Guardians are a game up on you. 
And then you have the Seattle Mariners at 51 and 44 in that third wildcard spot. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays have now won six straight games. They've won eight out of their last 10. They are the top wildcard right now after firing their manager, which no, I'm not implying anything. Alex Cora stays for life. This is not an Alex Cora issue. Did um, you uh, buy anything into that Lou Merloni uh, drop he had on early edition? What do you say? In the Boston circle or the radio circles, you know, finding anything to have a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you could lose Cora if things go sideways with Bogarts here and really with this team. Now, obviously, his contracts through 2024, they picked up both of those options this past offseason. You think that's a possibility? Um, I don't think that he would like resign or quit or anything, but I think it would really piss him off if, I mean, the relationship that Alex has with Xander is like, that's why when you, when you talk about, um, baseball, we talk about numbers and analytics and, you know, it's, it's become this thing where everyone's like, yeah, there, there's no like front offices don't factor in the human emotion and it's all just stats and numbers. That element of it, where you're talking about Xander Bogarts, it's the impact with Alex Cora. It's the impact with Rafael Devers. And there's plenty of like Chris Sale spoke up about it. Alex Verdugo spoke up about it. Um, David Ortiz. Uh, <laughs> David Ortiz. <laughs> was begging you. He's fucking begging you to pay this kid. Yeah. It's, and- it's honestly incredible that, you know, you have this many people who are very smart baseball minds who also are very important pieces to the Red Sox puzzle are all screaming at the top of their lungs publicly. You need to pay Xander Bogarts and the Red Sox have instead of paying him have just insulted him every step of the way. It just doesn't it doesn't compute. I just I don't understand how the general public and the players on the team can all be one united front. Hey, pay this guy. And then the people responsible for paying him are like, mm, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Doesn't seem smart. While you seemingly have no other long-term plans in place, realistically. Yeah. Uh, from Marcelo Meyer ain't walking through that door for a long time. No, and I love Marcelo Meyer. And no, no, nothing bothers me more than the people who see these Bogarts things and they tweet, oh, they have Marcelo Meyer. Don't worry. This is why I know. Bloom may love prospects as much as anybody. Even he knows. He's in Salem. Breathe. That, that's just not how that stuff works. You can't plan like that. He's years away. How do you uh, not I have... Gotta, I got a dip, but I just want to say uh, Sydney Sweeney deserved better on Friday. Mm. I agree. Not I agree. wrong. Not wrong. You see that movie with her boobs in it? What was it called? Uh, the Voyeurs. You see that movie? No. no. Oh. I've seen Euphoria, though. Mm-hmm. You got I'm telling you right now. Go, go watch The Voyeurs. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do that right now. All right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Have fun, Pete. Um, I don't even remember where I was. Um, I think we were talking about Blue Moon. Were we? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, because baseball and beer go hand in hand, and Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience every single fucking time, Tyler. Every time. I had some Blue Moons during the 28-5 uh, to five game 
it was just, you know, it was one of those nights where it was, uh, it was time to step away. I mean, I, I was at the game the whole night. Oh, I never Jesus. leave early. I had people texting me all night long. I had to put my phone down. I had to have, I'd go up to the bar. I was like, please just pour me a blue moon. They put the orange in there. Thank God I didn't have to ask for it. They just knew. That's actually when you, when you're, little uh, apple watch told you that you were okay your heart was doing better right right i was drinking the blue moon and my apple watch was like all right cool i i, I can sense that you're better now nice mm-hmm. so From blue moon saved your life blue moon saved my life on on multiple occasions but that was the most recent example yes thank you blue moon thank you blue moon i will From say if what? i had heard sweet caroline oh in the God. eighth inning i would have killed myself i yeah, would have legit was- killed myself I was embarrassed. I had so much. And I'm not one of those guys that's like, like, I don't always hate on Sweet Caroline. I don't partake in it. I don't sing it. I let the people that want to sing it, sing it. But when you're down 28 to 5, probably skip it. I would say skip it. Read the room. But don't skip having a blue moon. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. By the way, stop trying to correct me on my pronunciation of that. People like DM me. I'm like, no, that's how it's fucking pronounced. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes of, and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can just get something one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon. But you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Golden Colorado. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I guess if the Red Sox go into this series with the Guardians, and then who do they have after that? Milwaukee. Yeah, then the Brewers come to town this weekend. Um, what do they have to do? Can they, can they do anything to take you off your sell stance? Um, Record-wise. Yeah, you'd have to play, you know, 500 ball ain't going to do it. You're going to have to play well above 500 ball and really have a week and a half stretch here or, you know, a week. Let's be real. They don't even have that much time. You're going to have to go off for the next week. It's going to have to be some serious resilience, pitching performances of guys stepping up. And I just, you know, being realistic, I'm as positive, I think, when it comes to the Red Sox as anybody. It's just hard to envision that right now. Uh, Just depending on where your staff is, health-wise. You know, we're going to see. We really don't have firm dates for when Rich Hill or Michael Walker are going to be back. Kike, who knows? That's as up in the air as anything. Trevor Story, we really don't know. He sw- finally swung a bat today. I love Alex Cora, but man, his, you know, attempts to tell you when guys are coming back this year, he's trying to be optimistic. And so far, a lot of them have not landed in that ballpark. Um, but yeah, y- you'd have to play, you know, say there's, what, eight games before the deadline. Six and two, and like command commandingly beat these teams, or at least big wins that feel like a turning point in the season. Um, because now it's not really even about what 
the Red Sox do. It's they have to do that, and then other teams have to suck. And on, you're going to have to hope some injury situations go well. Like Rafael Devers is out of this lineup. Mm-hmm. JD Martinez, be real. If the Red Sox are looking to trade him, they're not going to put him in that lineup. They're going right. to let him get right. Mm-hmm. Same Nathan Avaldi. Like I can't see them pushing him too hard either. You know he's already his velo is already down. That's going to hurt his trade stock. Like they're in a situation here where they really, you know, if they're going to push guys, it's kind of signaling another direction. And I think, like we said, with the Red Sox right now, they've lacked conviction in a direction. And at least this way, it sucks that it happened this way. That injuries are really what put the final coffin in your season. It seems, but. You need to show conviction here, and you can't really be going back and forth the next week and have conviction. I think that's how you end up in that Andrew Kashner territory. Oh my god! If they ever did something like that, what what was the day they traded for Schwarber last year? It was ahead uh, of the deadline by like what four or five days or something like that, if I remember. Um, it it might have been like a couple. It was like a day or two before we were we were at the Field of Dreams game. And I remember I was with Carl when it happened. It was at night because I did a video reacting to Schwarber coming to Boston with Carl. And then the trade deadline, we were doing a tour of the Field of Dreams movie house. So it might have been like the night before the deadline. Yeah, it looks like July 29th is the date I got on front of me right now. Okay. And obviously the deadline's the second this year. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Couple days, like you're going to really have to pick a direction here. And it just feels like, I don't know how you look at, you know, the last couple of weeks and say the direction's going another way. Cause they need solutions for the next couple of years of legit, found, not true foundation core pieces, but guys you can look at and say, we can depend on him to fill this role for a couple of years for us. Like for your those, elf, those your keeping elf. score, August 2nd is a week from this Tuesday. Yeah, so there you go. And let's be real. Like, look at your outfield. Who's going to play the outfield for you next season? You're hoping Jaron Duran? Oh, obviously, he's not playing center field. And obviously, you don't want him in right field. And you already have a left fielder. Like, you need answers for this stuff. And I think this is where I know it's not fun for people. I understand the frustration and how this season has gone. You go and get, you know... I don't want to throw this name out because it's, it's, it's a who knows, but someone like Ramon Laureano, someone like that who has team control for a couple years and you can bring him in and you're still a competitive team. You're still interesting, but obviously, you know, you're realizing it's more about the next couple of years than this year at this point. Right. Yeah. But I, I think not, those are the guys you target. Not to put this negative energy out into the universe. Uh, but let's say the Red Sox do blow this team up. Are you prepared for next season to suck worse than this season? You're probably like right now, let's be real. You might be entering 2023 in a way that resembles 2021. Where you're kind of coming off a very disastrous season uh, and you really don't know what you have and you kind of need to figure it out again, which is scary because it feels like once again, the step you took forward last year, you've taken back now this year. Uh, yeah, but it's, you have it's all this money like coming off the books. 2019 was supposed to be the start of like blowing it up and rebuilding. Like that was like the Mookie Betts trade was the marker. Like this is where we're turning a page and we're building towards the next great Red Sox team. We exhausted our funds. We drained our farm system. It's time to get back. Yeah, and then 2021 happens, and that's almost like 
they treated it like, all right, this is uh, this is 2013. Like you got your championship. Now we got to build the next score. It's like, well, wait, we didn't get the we didn't we didn't get the championship part. What the fuck? No. <laughs> and, and not only that, but there was no like that was just kind of like some layovers from 2018 plus some pieces that you lucked out on. The, like you Heim hit on the outside guys, but the engine of the team was really built by Dave Dombrowski. It was that core. And that's the questions here. It's like, well, a lot of that engine can still be very beneficial for you. Xander Bogarts, uh, Rafael Devers, Nate Evaldi, I guess you can question or go back and forth, but he fits into it. What are you doing with that engine? And th- that's the question. That's the question we're going to play for the next couple of weeks. I think we, I don't think any of us expect Devers to be dealt here. Um, but that's where you play it with Bogarts because you have those core pieces. One of the reasons you traded Mookie was so when you had situations like this again, we wouldn't be feeling like this. Right. And here we are. We feel like this. And a week from now, we could be looking at a Red Sox team that's completely different for right. years that's, to come. That's the big point that we need fans to understand, grasp, and, and hold to their hearts here. The Red Sox traded Mookie Betts to get under the luxury tax so that they could pay guys like Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. Like, you already had to swallow that pill of the Mookie Betts trade, which, by the way, not to get into a whole nother discussion about the Mookie Betts trade, but, like, that's kind of looking like a dud, too. I, lo- I love Alex Verdugo. I think he's a great piece. He's, he's a nice piece to this team. Is he the return that you should have gotten for Mookie Betts? No. Like, the Red Sox should have been like, listen, you want Mookie Betts? Verdugo, Dustin May, which still people would have complained about that because he needed Tommy John. But there are plenty of other pieces that the Dodgers had, and they were just like, all right, uh, hands off our top five guys, but you want Verdugo? Yeah, you do? All right, cool. How about fucking uh, Jeter Downs? Like, he's probably not going to be in the big leagues at all. And then Connor Wong is maybe at best a, a backup catcher at some point because he likes working with Nate Avaldi, which, by the way, you're probably going to trade him anyway. So that relationship doesn't matter at all. So the, the return on Mookie Betts was not enough. No. We and can I- say that now. But you traded Mookie Betts to get under the luxury tax so that you had the ability to pay your guys when it came time. It's time, and they haven't paid your guys. Bogart's still without a deal. Devers still without a deal. Devers should have been taken care of a long time ago. Bogart's, I get it's a little bit more of a discussion because he's a Boris guy, and he's got the opt-outs, and it's you know you have to wait for him to opt-out and all that shit. That should have been taken care of. So... How can you look your fan base in the eye? And it's not necessarily a Bloom thing. This is a John Henry thing as well. How can you look your fan base in the eye and say, hey, I understand that Mookie Betts thing. That really fucking sucked. We all loved Mookie. He was an MVP here. He's a World Series champion here. And now you had to go watch him win a World Series with the Dodgers. And he signs this massive deal. And that's another piece, too, at the All-Star game. He said, if the Red Sox had offered me what the Dodgers offered me, I would have taken it and I would have stayed. You can choose to believe that or not. I choose to believe that. Regardless, you did that to be able to pay guys like Bogart's endeavors. If you don't do that, what explanation do you possibly have to justify that to your fan base? Which, by the way, that fucking graphic that was going viral last week about the highest ticket prices in baseball, 
the most expensive outing a, a day at a ballpark, Fenway Park, Boston Red Sox. How can you continue to charge us the most expensive ticket prices in Major League Baseball and then look us in the eye and say, we're not going to pay our own stars? And it's not even that it would, it would make even just, it, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't be acceptable, but it would be a little bit more, it would sound less crazy if this wasn't the same organization that would pass up on signing John Lester, a World Series champion, a proven guy in Boston, to then give $217 million to David Price of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays and Detroit Tigers and Toronto Blue Jays. And then do the same thing when it's like, all right, we're not going to pay our stars, but let's give money to fat fucked Pablo Sandoval. Let's bring back Hanley Ramirez and sign him to a big money deal. You're not going to pay the guys that have been here and won here and proven themselves here. And, and then you'll just... In, once you see the reaction, people are all pissed off because you won't pay them. And then you'll pay some other asshole from outside the organization to come in here to be like, see, look, we do spend money. Like we do. Like, look, we're trying. Why not just pay your guys? Why not do that? If Rafael Devers were the fucking third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates putting up the same numbers and he were up at the end of this year, don't you think the Red Sox would be in on that guy? And they'd be like, you know what? We're not going to pay our guy because fuck him. But this guy in Pittsburgh, he's pretty fucking good. Well, don't worry about it. Like, you know, I know people are upset that we didn't pay Johnny Slapdick, who came up through the system and won a championship here, but we're going to replace him with Rafael Devers because he was crushing it in Detroit or whatever the fuck. Like, it's crazy. Like, if, if a poverty organization, and, you know, I'm not trying to dunk on Nationals fans, but when you look at the Nationals, you compare them to the Red Sox, it's just a different league in terms of the money that they spend. When they're willing to go ahead and try to pay Juan Soto, who's probably the only young left-handed bat that you can put above Rafael Devers in the game right now. When they're willing to go out there and try to make it work with their finances and their situation, and they're offering him well over $400 million, and you see the Red Sox who are offering Rafael Devers Matt Olson money, that's where the problem is. And I go back to that Scott Boris quote when he was talking about Xander Bogarts, and he said, listen, well, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't a Scott Boris Heimbloom conversation. This is a Scott Boris Red Sox ownership conversation. If those owners want to talk to me, and he said it at the All-Star game, this is another thing that didn't get talked about enough. After he said, hey, we'll hold Xander Bogart's conversations until the end of the year, he didn't say that at the All-Star break. He didn't say that one bit. He said, my ears are open. So there is a line of communication here with a week to go where you need to figure out what the next five years of the Boston Red Sox are going to be. Scott Boris has said his ears are open. Xander Bogarts has said, I'm willing to talk. Go to Boris. Do what you need to do. They have both now opened the door for you after you sat on your ass and you blew that opportunity over the winter. You spit on him. You spit on him with a garbage lowball offer. And to the guy who looks up to him, Rafael Devers, spit on him as well. And on top of it, you had him go recruit Trevor Story. One of those. I like Trevor's story, but if you're going to throw him in a category right now, what category does he fit in? Does he fit in that Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez category? At the minute, he does. Because he's a guy you went outside of your organization to pay who's come here and hasn't produced those same numbers. Who's looked really like a shell of himself offensively. That's the road you're going down here. Those ears are open. There's no excuse. One of the reasons we got this weak return from the Dodgers, along with your inability to get the right pieces in that deal, uh, is because you had to throw David Price's money on there because you needed half that contract off. Guess what? 
That money's off the books starting next year. What's your excuse? You didn't pay Kyle Schwarber. You're not going to pay J.D. Martinez. You're not going to probably pay Nate Evaldi. All this money is coming off the books and you have a top 10 farm system. What are you waiting for? This is the time. And if it's not the time, then you've said what the Red Sox are and you've really explained why you hired Heim Bloom. All those people who want to say Tampa Bay North or whatever it may be, those people have their, you know, their moment, their chance to say I was right. That's what you're pointing towards. Because instead of trying to be like the Dodgers, you're not trying to be like the Dodgers. And that's the biggest failure of it all if you go that route because you wasted your resources. And that shows you, you know, when you're saying, well, there's a lot of super teams this year, like the Yankees, the Dodgers. Hey, guess what? The Boston Red Sox are supposed to be one of those super teams. Mm -hmm. And you had one of those super teams in 2018. And look what happened. Instead, I hate that that happens. Like the. Whenever like the Red Sox have a dominant team, it's always for like one year and then they just fucking suck the next year. Every time. Like it would have been so so I, I thought 2019 was they had a chance to run it back. No, oh, I think a lot of people did. And I think Dave Dombrowski did with that Andrew Kashner move in a lot of ways, where yeah. he was hoping for guys to bounce back. But be realistic. The last time we got that was 0708. Yeah. Yep. It's been a long time. Um Jake's takes. Uh, you know, I've been reading the Bible a lot this weekend for <laughs> obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Continue. Um, so I'm just going to throw out a quick verse there. One Please. of my favorites, Isaiah 41, 13. Mm-hmm. He says, as everyone probably knows, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Mm-hmm. Do and, you think that that's like about the trade deadline? <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say when I... When I saw Salamora tripping over his own feet <laughs> over at first base today for the third fucking error in a row of that inning, I I really needed some help. Yeah. And so I just want to say to everyone out there who feels hopeless that you still got God. <laughs> Can you send me some more of these uh, verses for these uh, trade deadline rumors, Jake, please? Yeah, you just Google 15 best Bible verses. Nice. <laughs> the Pat Light strategy. Come, right. Yeah, they come right up. Right. You should see them, no problem. Um, yeah. I'm, de- I, I'm depressed. I tweeted, I, I haven't been this down on the Red Sox in a very long time uh, to the point where they've been bad at times, but like I'll find spin zones. And try to stay as positive or like, hey, we'll, we'll just keep it moving or like, you know, look at the big picture. I, I've been tweeting stuff like the Red Sox are unwatchable. Uh, I, yeah, I've been I've been hate tweeting the Red Sox since, since the second half started this whole. I mean, obviously, it's not like, oh, wow, you're so brave. They've been fucking terrible in the series against Toronto. But usually my style is to try and keep it as light and positive as possible. When I start turning on the team, that's when it's bad. That's, yeah. when it's, that's when it's bad. The clock is ticking. That's what it is. In April, as bad as things got, there was time. There, mm-hmm. there was time to figure it out. And they did figure it out for a, a significant stretch. You know, really May 10th through, I'm not going to say the day, but late in June. Um, you know, they had figured it out for that stretch. But the reality is, listen, there's a week. There's a week right now for the Red Sox. And they needed to come out of the second half strong. and. I don't think they could have lost in a worst possible way Friday. Um, 
So I, I think they've just made this decision easy for the front office. And it's depressing because, you know, a couple wins and maybe Rafael Devers not going down and all these different things could have given you a different path. Um, but part of the failures of the offseason have made it. So you have to make this kind of decision now. If you knew Xander Bogarts was going to be here for another four years, five years, whatever, if you knew Devers and you were on the right path towards an extension, you look at this completely different. You say, all right, well, we got these guys. Well, no, you don't have a core locked up because you failed to figure these things out. So now you have to pay this punishment of getting to the trade deadline and having to axe a team that's shown the ability to compete with the Yankees at times this year to get as hot as any team in baseball. You have to basically pull the plug on them because you need to make sure you can cover your ass going into the next couple seasons. Yep. A lot of doom and gloom. I wish that there was more positivity, more of a positive spin that we could put on this. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that uh, there, were more, there was more time left on the clock to be able to have some optimism, but I don't even want to call it like a big series with the Guardians. Like I think even, even if they were to take three out of four, which seems like a goddamn stretch at this point, like they can't even win a game. Never mind three out of four against a team that's uh, in the playoff pick picture race. Uh, even if they win three out of four, I think we still come back to do a podcast and we're still wondering if they're buyers or sellers. Like, I think, am I wrong about that? No, you're not. And it's a team you obviously kicked in the teeth. So they're going to come out heavy. You know what I mean? They're going to want to make a point because that is that the last series you won. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I hate to, yeah, that's the last series you won. Jesus Christ. That's how I was on or what? That was vacation. The start of my vacation down the Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's where you are. You know what I mean? It's been that long. And yeah, it's just when you don't have a plan and you don't have things you can kind of depend on in the next couple of years, you get forced into a spot like this. And the reality is, what will we be looking forward to the next two months? Will it be Brian Bayo maybe getting an extended opportunity? Us waiting for Tristan Casas' debut? Well, like, will those be the things we look forward to? Because realistically, it'll be that and watching Cutter and Winkowski and seeing how those guys kind of figure it out. And, you know, at that point, are you going to see Chris Sale? Most likely not. Even if there's a 1% chance he makes it back. Mm -hmm. That's where you go. And we know Devers is unhealthy. Who knows how long they draw this out with him? Is there anything positive? Hmm. It's a good question. Cutter Crawford was solid once again. Mm-hmm. He's made a statement, I think, to continue to get some starts for a guy that a lot of people didn't put in that conversation. Um, I like what I've seen from Cutter. You know, it's bad when like it's not even worth it to break down the games individually, no. like what happened. It's more, it's so bad that you have to shift the conversation to a broader scope. Yeah, I know I'm depressed when, like, Bob hits the homer in game two. Mm-hmm. When I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really don't want to tweet this mm-hmm. because, like, I just feel like it's, you know, I-, I tweet every homer. I do all these different things. It's just like you never had hope in them winning one of these games. No. At any like, point. I-, I think the Jackie Bradley homer, was that today or yesterday? Uh, today. The one he hit. Today and Friday. Yeah. The Jackie Bradley homer. I was probably the first Red Sox homer all year that I didn't tweet just because like, what's the, what's the caption there? Like, yeah. what do you fucking do? 
it's depressing it's sad to tweet shit like that and it you feel weird like it's weird to get excited about games even in a time like this when the games really don't matter and that's what it feels like it feels like insert whatever years you know 2012 august and september where you're kind of just there to see what's going on actually you know what (sighs) i think this is where we're at um you know it's bad and i I'm I'm breaking this news right now. This is what you can expect. If <laughs> I can't even say when. <laughs> if the Red Sox win a game again. The next gold bottles tweet is going to be lowercase. I might cry. Yeah. That that has only happened a, a very it's a it's a rare occurrence. It's kind of like um, you guys are too young to remember the show Twenty Four, but there's some uh, there's probably some Twenty Four listeners that listen to this podcast. Is that that uh, Jack, Jack Bauer, Bauer guy? Yeah. yeah. So the concept of the show is that there's like twenty four episodes, and each episode is an hour in the day. And when it would go to commercial, it would show the clock and how much time is left, and go doot doot. And then it would go to commercial, but there were, let's call it three times where something like, whoa, happened in the show and they did a silent clock. It only happened a couple of times. Like it's like, like a big character got killed off or something like that. So that's kind of like the equivalent is if the Red Sox are so bad that the gold bottles tweet gets demoted to lowercase, that's when you know. And I'm telling you right now, that next win, it's going to be lowercase because the excitement has evaporated for me. It's kind of like the last season of Jersey Shore when everyone kind of realized they had real real life problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some had to hit rehab, some had to do other stuff. And they're just kind of coasting. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that's been one of my binging activities. I've watched, uh, sad to say here, but uh, roughly 35 episodes of the New Jersey Show or Jersey Shore show because I want to feel like I did when the Red Sox played in those days. I want I'm that going positivity tonight. I'm going off the grid tonight. Well, I think I'm going to I'm going to put my phone away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to check social media tonight. Uh, I'm not going to hang out with anybody. Um, I'm not going to watch baseball. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll go for a walk. No, I, I don't. The, when you tweet stuff like that, it worries <laughs> me. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't like the walk tweets. I think I'm going to go for a walk. That, that, where? Where are you walking? Where do you walk? Uh, just in the Fenway neighborhood. Okay. But see, that's the other thing, too. You run the risk of running into people being like, dude, what's up with the socks, yeah, but, though, bro? What's going on with the, the socks? It's Twitter in real life. What the fuck with the socks, dude? I mean, maybe, maybe I can't give away my spot, but there is a, there is a place that I like to go that is in the, the North Shore suburbs that people are like, oh, Saugus? No, not Saugus. There's a place I like to go when I go for walks that I put my phone away. Maybe I'll go there tonight, but I can't, I, I can't, I can't, what I, what I refuse to do is uh, look at Twitter, 
and stew and get triggered because I know that there's if I look at my phone, like, let me just like, let's go through my phone right now. Let's, oh, I, let's, like I've been triggered consistently. Like I try to be positive. Like after the 28 run game, I woke up. I was like, you know, tweeted some bullshit, but like trying to be positive, trying to make, you know, so not listen, things are bad. You're trying to make yeah. them feel better. And I was like, oh, had a horrible dream last night. The Red Sox lost by 23 runs mm. and people were just like, I've had enough. Can you stop with this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, dude, we're all fucking miserable. We all hate life. These are my mentions right now. Worst team in the history of baseball analytics measured by payroll and stuff. Uh, a screenshot of the 28 to 5 box score. Another screenshot of the 28 to 5 box score. Um, crying emojis. Uh, no high yet? Red Sox. Def- I, I have probably have a lot of those people muted. Uh, Red Sox definitely might be the worst in the MLB. Do you think the manager deserves any responsibility? Hmm. Good to know. That clears up any confusion about the Yankees having a decent year. Um, that dude tweeted me in complete Spanish. The contract bullshit has been a major distraction combined with the injuries and a lack of talent at certain positions. Recipe for disaster. Literally coming apart at the seams. Completely unwatchable. Holy crap, this team sucks. Uh, if only we could draft and develop talents like Mookie Betts. Uh, a broken heart emoji. Thanks for the championships and this hot mess, Tom and John. Hashtag Fireheim Bloom. <laughs> um, don't let Jared Carabas see this. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to look at it. Sorry to hear that. Uh, the team's theme song is Benny Hill. Mm, can't stand you. <laughs> You're going to make me kill myself reading these. Yeah. This is like anytime you just need a peek into my life, just just search search my Twitter handle and, and look at all the shit that I get tweeted on. This is only in like the last 38 minutes. Hmm. Well, you need a walk. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm going to go for a walk and may- you know what? Maybe I'll get some fucking ice cream. Yeah. Ha- listen, think about Ra- what would Rafi do? Rafi would probably take a walk, go get some ice cream and then go play video games. I don't play video games, but uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll walk. Maybe I'll walk to a store and, and get. A video. What what is play? What PlayStation are we on now? Are we up to five? five? Yep. PlayStation Five. But then I I don't know. I I don't want to play the show. No, that's a bad bad place to go. Yeah. Um. I'm you a COD up, guy? You never played COD? No, I did. A Modern Warfare Three was my shit back in the uh, day. Okay, I was an MW Two kid. That's where yeah. I started. So yeah, okay, Modern Warfare Three on Xbox One or no? Was it Xbox One or Xbox 360? 360, 360 right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to play that all the time. Yeah, that was my jam. But I don't know. I'm not as much of a video game guy anymore. I wish I could be. I, so this past off season, I hooked up a PlayStation 4 and I would just play GTA. Whenever I would get like really sad or angry, I would just go and play GTA and never do any missions and just kill people. And it was like it was like free therapy for me. Yeah, that, that's what a lot. I think that's a fair way to let those demons out. Yeah, I, I started doing that in middle school, like the original like GTA 3 and then Vice City, like those those GTAs. Anytime that I had any murderous rage, I would just play GTA, kill a bunch of people, and then be like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> that's normal. Yeah. But I, see, that's the stuff you got to do so you don't become a crazy person in real life. And I think during a time like this where things are dark, mm-hmm. 
what is a better place to do that? Walks are great, but you can mm-hmm. go for a walk in GTA. Yeah, you can go for a walk in GTA, and if you want to kill someone, you can. That's it. Yeah. And, and instead of going to jail, you can just shut it off and go get some ice cream. So play GTA. Yeah. Go get some ice cream. Yep. And what's the third step? Oh, Probably. you know, what's Sandra doing tonight? Ooh. Um, it looks like it looks like Sandra's in in Vegas with Pat. I don't like that. Yeah, what the fuck? She, you're at your lowest moment, and she's doing that shit. Well, here's the thing: like, if Sandra and Pat were to get back together, like, I'd be happy for them because her and I were just friends. Of course, you really kind of. I don't want to say you tried to save their relationship, but you mm-hmm. tried to help. I've been a shoulder to cry on for sure. Like whenever she's felt sad or lonely, I've been there for her. Do you have a shoulder to cry on? No, I don't think I do. You hear that 162 gals? Yeah. I actually had some girl come up to me at the game on Friday and say, uh, she's like, very nice to meet you. I'm a 162 girl. And I was like, oh, I'd love to hear that. Um, we'll have the, that, that merch in 2025. You can buy the 162 <laughs> girl shirts. Um, same year exciting. Marcel Meyer will debut yeah and yeah. we'll have a answer at a shortstop moving forward yeah I feel like it, at this point if you're a Red Sox fan and you want to buy a 162 guy or girl shirt you might as well wear a t-shirt that says I want to fucking kill myself because it's mm-hmm. the same thing I'm in an abusive relationship with the 2022 Red Sox yeah I mean June normally in seasons like this when the Red Sox are so bad you don't get a moment to come up for air like at least in june we felt like we had a fucking team that was worth watching like june there were so many fun moments and don't say it was taken off and even the, red the Sox were exciting even the people who wanted to shit on the red Sox and did all april had tipped their cap yeah They're like this team has balls like everyone was like all right this team has some balls to get through what they went through and to get back and be and hold the first wild card Right. Like, that's where you were at. And even cr- Yankee fans were like, all right, fine. Like, the Red Sox are back. And I, heard, I saw some people saying that was the team they were most scared to face in the playoffs. Yeah. Outside of Houston. Yeah. What happened, man? <laughs> what happened? It, it reminds me of 2012 a little bit where it felt like the bottom came out so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like the Cody Ross walk off against Chicago. And I was, I was like. I was where you were at that game. Mm-hmm. Wow. Lucky man. And it mm-hmm. felt like, all right, like the tides are going. And then like what Ortiz got hurt with the Achilles. And then mm-hmm. it was like, all right. Yeah. All right. This year is fucked. Which, by the way, very funny moment during the David Ortiz uh, Hall of Fame speech where he was like, you know, I went to Boston <laughs> and I was very like honored to play for uh Terry Francona, and then right after that was John Farrell. <laughs> he just fucking hates Bobby V. Uh, that was very funny. That tickled me in a way that I didn't know I was going to be tickled during that uh, he, Hall of Fame speech. That wasn't the only name that got uh, a little non-mention. Now, Manny, I, right? He yes. didn't say anything about Manny. Now, apparently they said he did name everyone who was at the actual event. Manny right. had said he was going to go, but you know, typical Manny fashion, like mm-hmm. he was supposed to be at Fenway earlier in the season originally, mm-hmm. missed that day. Um, I don't know. I still, I wish he would have been brought up, but I thought Poppy nailed that speech as well as anybody. 
Yeah, I think uh, uh, Kirk texted me about the Manny thing. He's like, he's like, isn't that weird that he didn't bring up Manny? I was like, well, they they have like a weird relationship, and the guys that he mentioned were the guys that were there, so it makes sense. I mean, there's obviously like Manny was his, I guess, most linked to teammate besides Pedroia. Uh, I don't know that like. When when you're like he gave shout outs to the teammates that were there, but if they're not there, then if it's not going to be a shout out, it's going to be like a thank you. And I don't know that like Manny was a guy that like Ortiz would thank. It's like I was nasty. He was nasty. We were nasty together. But it's not like, yeah, thanks to Manny for this, this and this. Like, I don't think that Manny was like a mentor to David. I don't know. I think I think it was like Pedro was. Yeah, I think it was a partner in crime kind of thing. Yeah. Where you always just thought like that 3-4 duo, arguably the best 3-4 duo we've seen, you know, this century. Um, And a lot of people thought about it in that way. But like, you know, as we know, Manny was not always the easiest person to corral and get to where he needed to be. Uh, And it seemed like we learned over the years, Poppy was a lot of times that bridge. And sometimes when you're that bridge... You know, that relationship can be a certain way. I think they're boys. I think they're friends. We saw they just sat and watched the Red Sox game together. They were down in Brockton together to watch mm-hmm. their kids play. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. I think we know Poppy's got love for Manny, but uh, yeah, they're like you forever said, linked. But Manny's it. just a different guy than who he was when he was a player in Boston. He's just a different guy. So I think David lives his life. Manny lives his life. And I think at the end of the day, I'm just thankful that it wasn't flip-flopped because like Manny obviously had this transition in his life where he just became a huge, huge religion guy. And I mean, he still loves baseball, still plays like he'll, he'll play in any league that will have him now. So like that part of him isn't gone. But I think the Manny that existed when he played is he's just a completely different guy when you talk to him. And I'm just glad that David stayed David because he is. Again, I've had this debate a bunch of times. Uh, like Ted Williams, greatest player in Red Sox history. David Ortiz, most important player in Red Sox history. He's a living legend. He's a statue player. He should have a statue outside of Fenway. I'm sure that that's coming. He has a fucking bridge, a street named after him. He has his number retired. He's in the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Now he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I think that uh, having him as an ambassador for the Red Sox while also being arguably the greatest ambassador for the sport. I don't think that that's like a biased take just because he's our guy, but I think he's probably still, I think he's the most followed on social media baseball player that's active. So he's the greatest ambassador for the sport and to have him still be David uh, instead of a guy that doesn't want to be involved or a guy that just like fell off and is bitter. Like, no, like the, the guy that he was. And now, because he's not playing for the Red Sox in a media market where everyone's a fucking dickhead, uh, he gets to be carefree David. Yeah. And you know, you're special when your greatness transcends, you know, your generation. Like Carl Yastrzemski did that interview with Shaughnessy for the Globe recently. And Yastrzemski said, you know, He's the greatest Red Sox hitter outside of Ted Williams. Carl Yastrzemski said that. Triple crown winner, Carl Yastrzemski. Like, think about how great you have to be to be put in that territory for someone 
just, you know, generations, there's a significant gap there and he can go and acknowledge that. That tells you all you need to know. And I, I think with Big Poppy, the biggest thing I was scared of when he did retire was we were going to lose that personality in that voice. And if anything, it feels like that voice is getting louder and louder and he's willing to put himself out there where a lot of great athletes always aren't. And even him saying like, listen, I'm around for the guys like this generation of ball players doesn't rely on the older guys like the past ones did, like he did. He's like, listen, if anybody ever needs help, <laughs> Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, whoever these guys, he's still around. And, and I think that circles all the way uh, or circles us all the way back to the Xander Bogarts conversation. David Ortiz is not leaving the side of the Red Sox organization. He'll continue to speak and be there for them and guide them. And just to see him enshrined in that way and respected in that way, you know, who knows when we'll see the next Red Sox player enter the Hall of Fame like that. I think today is a day that you should remember for a long time because it's just something that you can't replicate or look forward to the next one. And the fact that he's maintained a great relationship with the organization and Coley made this point. Uh about how as we get more removed from it, history will forget how the Red Sox treated David, not like shit, but like... Oh, they busted his balls over those contracts, man. Yeah, all the fucking time. Like the only like lengthy deal he got, I believe he signed in what, 06? He signed mid-season in 06 and it was like a four-year deal. So six, seven, eight, nine. And then after that, he was doing one or like one with an option contracts until he retired in 2016. And in 2016, he hit like fucking 38 homers and he had 40 doubles or whatever. Like he had like one a, of the OPS, greatest like a thousand. Yeah. One of the greatest final seasons for a player we've ever seen. Ever. Uh, and ever. he didn't look like he had lost a step. He looked like he could have played another three, four years without missing a beat. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that imagine like a dude like that. Like you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, the most important player in your franchise's history. You fucking losers haven't won a championship in 86 years. I came here and helped win three. I hit 688 in the goddamn World Series to win my third and final World Series with you guys. And you just were like, yeah, how about a one-year deal? Like, prove it to us again. Prove it to us again. And then prove it to us again. And for a guy that is super competitive, and obviously, I mean, the way that he performed against the Minnesota Twins, he does not forget the people that don't believe in him. Uh... I'm just happy that he isn't like Derek Jeter, who hates the Yankees uh, and still has this like loving, close and I guess involved relationship with the Red Sox, whereas Derek Jeter fucking hates the Yankees and he he probably never wants to do anything with them ever again, which I totally get because they just treated him like shit, disrespected him. Um, One of the best players of all time. And he just fucking hates his organization. And that's why when David Ortiz speaks out the way he does, there was no one, you know, there weren't a lot of people who were speaking out for David Ortiz like that at the time. You know, it just, it was a different culture in baseball overall, I think. And to see where they're at and let's be real, there were times it was clear the Red Sox were trying to move on from him, you know, multiple different times. Uh, So to be where you're at and for him to continue to speak up, I hope it rings loud. I hope ownership is hearing this stuff and realizing this stuff because the backlash will only get stronger. When a great like David Ortiz tells you how important someone is to a clubhouse, a guy who branched your clubhouse all the way from, you know, the days of Jason Veritek all the way up until Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts were rising and becoming those voices. That's the importance of keeping those guys around and having those bridges that, you know, go from generation to generation, because the way you're going right now, you're not going to have those bridges. And 
you're just going to be walking lost for a very long time. Yep. But it was cool. It was cool to see the speech. It was cool to hear the guys that got shout outs. Um, I, I liked the English and Spanish back and forth, too. It yeah. felt so poppy and like he was addressing everyone. Mm-hmm. And to see the crowd kind of scream, like they were screaming through the whole thing, the poppy, 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 mm-hmm. louder and louder as he went up to the mic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about seeing, especially for me, like that's a true childhood hero for me. Uh, to see him get his flowers like that, I feel mm-hmm. old as fuck. Number one, um, but it really feels like the end of a, I don't know, an era in Boston sports as a whole, where mm-hmm. you really are seeing, you know, you have your Tom Brady's of the world, your David Ortiz, but it's closing the book on, you know, probably a winning period in Boston sports history you'll never see again, ever, ever. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool seeing the speech. It still hasn't really hit me yet. Like he's not coming back. <laughs> Feels like he could show up tomorrow and hit you know thirty jacks over one sixty two. Yeah, like a lot of the guys, a lot, I mean, pretty much everyone, when they retire, and then you even if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, you got to wait half a decade before you get up there. David Ortiz still looks like he could play tomorrow. Like he he looks exactly the same. He's aging phenomenally. I, I love Poppy, but he's in better shape than he was earlier in his Red Sox tenure. Yeah, like we, five, he was yeah. a thick boy. <laughs> like, we saw the evolution when he was playing towards the end and he dropped that weight. Like, you can tell, like, he is in better shape than he was when he yeah. was at that point. He's jacked. He's got guns. Um, but yeah, like, I remember, like, when Randy Johnson went in, I was like, oh, damn, he's old as shit. Uh, and then there's, like, obviously, like, the guys that are just not in, in playing shape when they, when they get up there. Like, Ortiz, Ortiz looks like he's in great shape. Um, who was it, uh, going back, Kevin Gregg from the Orioles, is that the, I would pay every single dollar in my bank account, not acting like it's much, but to see if Poppy could have landed that punch on him that day. He would have killed him. That's all I ever wanted. That would have made my life. I think he would have killed him. Do you have a problem with that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Would have been one of the greatest moments in Red Sox history. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that would have cost him first ballot status if he literally killed someone. I would have inducted him the day he retired. Yeah, I might have inducted him that night. That would have been great. Make it happen. Jake, favorite David Ortiz moment? Uh, definitely 2013 game two of the ALCS. Yeah. Tyler? That's probably mine, too. I, I hate to say it. I'm trying to think. Um, maybe the final Ortiz walk-off in the farewell season uh, with the, what's it called, bag? Um, the, the resin bag when oh. they threw it at him and everyone was going nuts. That was like, a, that was like a bag of flour. That was that even, a bag of flour? Yeah, Joe Kelly had a fucking bag of flour that he just tossed in David's face. I was like, you're going to blind the fucking guy. That was against what, the Astros? Yeah, it was Houston on the ball into you know center field. I look at that non you know postseason as really the last image i have in my head of david ortiz between besides that final retirement you know moment when he came back on the field and everything like that that last season that's what rings in my head when i think about it yeah yeah there's just so many fucking memories with david yours has to be oh four right yeah, but also 13 as well. Like, I, and the crazy part is, like, I was there for like all of them. Like, I was there for game four against the Yankees. I was there for his speech after the bombing. 
Uh, I was there for the World Series in 2013. Um, I wasn't. I, the only one that I wasn't there for that I wish I was was when he broke the Red Sox single season home run record, which I believe he hit off fucking Johan Santana. Like lefty, lefty back when like Johan was a legit ace. Like we were talking Hall of Fame, which by the way, if you look at Johan Santana's like, like I'd like to reopen the Johan Santana Hall of Fame case. He's a peak year conversation guy. Yeah, he's like a peak seven season Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame guy. He was off the ballot way too quick. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like David Ortiz gave us like there's so many guys where it's like we throw the, the legend label on them. Like Carlton Fisk, retired number. He had the home run in game six of the 75 World Series. Like he's just known for that moment. Like you say David Ortiz and we have a fucking discussion about what was your favorite. There's too many. Yeah. And it's like we have three people here who picked three different moments. And then like there's probably people listening to be like, how could you leave this one off? You know, it's it's great. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, David Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I mean, Paul Molitor is not a career DH, but he was like, yeah, you know, like I'm the first DH to go into the Hall of Fame as first ballot. It's like, well. Because Edgar didn't go in first ballot, and Molitor—I don't know if he was first ballot, but he was—he wasn't DH for his whole career. Like David Ortiz was a true DH, and I don't know who that necessarily opens the door for in the future. Uh it—that's a true DH like him. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see it to that level again. I—I'm I, not sure in today's baseball with versatility, mm-hmm. like even the Yankees in Stanton in the last couple of years, we've seen now he's back in the outfield and trying to do his thing out there. So, like, I don't think there'll ever be another David Ortiz type of player. I truthfully don't. Um, I will say, though, if you're looking for some fun, look up David Ortiz defensive highlights at first base. You will have a very good time with it. Because, as you know, obviously he didn't play a lot of first base in his career. But when he would come and spot in here and there for the Red Sox and did it a little more than people remember at the end of his career, smoother over there than you think. Yeah. I mean, Coley tweeted out the highlight today. That's what made me think of it. Gunning down Jeff Supon um, in the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals in 2004. Like, that was when there were a few times that it happened. But when the Red Sox went to the World Series and David Ortiz had to play first base, there was no one that was like, oh, God. It was like, no, David Ortiz, can fuck. he could pick it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, in the old interleague days, like going to Philly sometimes, he'd be mm-hmm. over there. Like, Smoother than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David Ortiz at DH was really just to save him like, and conserve his energy so he could mash homers. It wasn't because he was a liability. Uh, you just got way more out of him offensively as a DH than anything else. I don't know who that who told the story about when he was like, was it Middlebrooks? I can't remember. David Ortiz was like sitting in the clubhouse on the phone and... Uh, he was on the couch sitting next to someone, teammate, and uh, he was just having a conversation on the phone. He's like, all right, hold on one second. And he put the phone down, and then he went up and crushed a homer, came back in, came back in the clubhouse and picked up the phone. He's like, all right, what's up, Poppy? <laughs> he just like Coach continued shit, his, his conversation. I forget. I wish I could attribute that story to someone, but it, I, I don't know if it was Middlebrooks. Uh but yeah, I, I remember hearing that story. I'd be like, yeah, that totally checks out. He's always on his phone. Always. Like, I can be, the guy loves to talk. Loves to talk. Like, when, when, when we were doing the, the Call and Poppy show, if we weren't shooting, he was on the phone. And 
Like there was one time we were at his house and uh, how didn't he say he said something recently about how he's like, yeah, like it's, you know, it's weird how players today don't like consult us like legends enough. Um, but he was on a FaceTime call with Jose Abreu and they were talking for like an hour and a half just about wow. like hitting. Yeah, he was talking to Jose Abreu on FaceTime for like an hour and a half. And uh, if he's not talking to like reigning, it, did he win the MVP? Uh, that was in the 2020? short in 2020 year. Yeah, yeah, the COVID year. Yeah. So yeah, that would have been, he was the reigning MVP at the time. Jose Abreu, almost Red Sox. Yeah. If, if Rusne Castillo was the, what, the makeup for that, correct? Right. Uh, and then, I mean, if he's not talking to the reigning MVP, giving him hitting advice, he was always on the phone with uh, D'Angelo, his son. Yeah. So that that day that we shot the commercial, <laughs> like we were shooting the commercial for I think it was like Nutrisystem and it was like I don't know, 95 degrees out, but like the temperature on the field was like a buck 10 and so they opened up the clubhouse and we would go out, shoot a scene, go back into the clubhouse, he'd be on the phone. And they'd be like, all right, you ready to do another scene? He'd be like, all right, hold on. He'd put the phone down. We'd go back out, shoot another scene, and then go back into the clubhouse. And it, it was just, yeah. He's, he's, that's why when we were out there for the All-Star game in LA, like I have his number. And he, he's, like, if I text him, like he will respond 95% of the time. But I know not to bother him. Like when I know, it's like, dude. Don't be that guy. Yeah. A, it's the all-star game. B, it's like he he was hosting his own party. And I was like, he's probably getting blown up left and right for people like asking him for like a spot and in the party and like, you know, this and that media requests. Like he's about to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, dude's got fucking seven phones. It's crazy. It's like that's like the old school. Uh, like I, I got one for my family. I got one for business. I got one for social media. It's crazy, but overall, it was really cool to to see him up there. And like, I don't think it's hit me yet that it's over. Like I said, like it's because he's still so involved in the baseball space. Um, it like it would be weird if David Ortiz retired and then just disappeared. Like we don't see, like when we see Manny, it's like a special thing. It's like, Oh, Manny came out of the woods for his, his yearly appearance. Like we still get to see David in every fucking commercial and he's on Fox and he's in the dugout. We were doing the podcast last year. So like he's still present and I'm just, I'm, I'm glad for that because I don't think like I've, I haven't had to face the reality that he's done playing for the Red Sox because he's still been so visible in his retirement, especially the shit he's gone through the last couple of years. Like that would be alone for a lot of people to just stay out of this media game or just stay out of the public eye and not want to push the sport or care about the sport. It feels like he generally cares or genuinely cares about where the sport's going, how people look at the sport and just the growth of the game. And that's rare. And I, like, I'll talk about it like Dustin Pedroia. Is someone like I grew up, true like childhood favorite player, adored him. Twenty three or twenty four years old, I got Dustin Pedroia posters on my wall still. Uh, you know, Pedroia is not around anymore. Unfortunate. You know, one day I bet he will be in a coach role with the Red Sox. You, we don't see Pedroia. Like him going to this Hall of Fame thing was the first time we've really seen Dustin Pedroia in some time. Uh, 
to have someone like Poppy be out there and consistently be present, it gives you that feeling again. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, I could see Poppy saying hi to people in the dugout and I wouldn't even think twice or blink twice about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's how it should be when a guy changes your franchise and changes baseball forever. You keep him next to your ballpark. You keep him next to your young players and your team because the shit he can teach them, especially when you have one of the young, great left-handed bats in the game on your roster, you couldn't ask for a better mentor slash person to talk to if you ever get to that point. And I hope Devers is using that line because if you're trying to learn anything from any left-hander in the game or person that's alive right now, who are you calling before David Ortiz? Yep. I agree. We'll never be another like him. Uh, All right. We want to do a little look ahead and get the fuck out of here. I guess. We're at two hours. Damn. Just like that. People are going to see north of two hours for the look ahead and uh, and be like, oh, but we're, you were on the last episode, right? Yep. Yeah. Because people were it, the people that listen to this show. I love them. God bless them. They don't know what they want. They, they wanted more fun time. Correct. Yeah. They, they, well, they were like, there's like originally they, the, everyone hates the new person. So like on baseball is dead. There's like, I don't get this Joey guy, blah, blah, blah. Now they love him. Now he's a cult hero. Then it was like Tyler, blah, 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 blah. And then we have the episode with Pat and everyone's like, there's not enough baseball talk. Tyler needs to be on the pod more. It's like they listen. Hey, Tyler's great at what he does. Thank you. The show is better with Tyler. Thank you. It's not a knock on Pete or Pat. I think the show is great with them as well. But But if you want Red Sox talk, like that's when when Tyler comes into play. And I'll tip my cap. I am not the funniest guy around. You're pretty funny. I I get by. I can get by. I'm no Jared or Jake. You get Uh, it, though. That's it. I can understand a joke. Like, I'm not that bad. But I I think Pete and Pat, that's this great stuff they bring to this podcast. They laugh. They're good at the... I don't even know what I would call the holes you guys go down, but they know mm-hmm. how to walk down the holes. I like to just be a spectator and add where I can. But you get it. You get uh, it. Listen, for the people that listen to Section 10 and have been listening for years, I was mm-hmm. one of you guys for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shall we look ahead? We should look ahead. Give me some good news. Mm. Let's see. The Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Uh, you got Nick Pavetta versus Zach Plezak in game one. No starters named for game two. Then you have Nathan Avaldi versus Cal Quantrill. And then in the finale, you have Cutter Crawford versus Tristan McKenzie. So Tuesday, we're getting Winkowski, I believe, coming off COVID aisle. Okay. And no Guardian starter for game two. Uh, Zach Plezak. Two and seven with a 402 ERA, a 127 whip, and a 6.5 strikeouts per nine. So, I mean, the record, not great. Uh, the ERA, decent. We'll take it. The whip, eh, and the strikeouts per nine. Eh. <clears throat> He's currently allowing 9.2 hits per nine, which is the highest of his career on the road. Not good. Nine starts, one and five, 493 ERA. Uh, this month, a 491. So May was his worst month, a 5.79 in May, a 2.10 in June, and then a 4.91 in July. Uh, he's allowed 11 runs over his last three starts. Only eight have been earned. 
His four seam has been trending down since his debut in 2019, um, down an average velocity of 92 miles an hour. And hitters have uh, hit that at a 300, <clears throat> 300 clip and slugged over 500. Um, slider's really good. Guardians are 7-10 and 10 in his starts and 1-2 and two in his last three. Red Sox hitters are hitting 366 against Plezak with a 1056 OPS. Ref Snyder, Bob, Devers, JD, and Sanchez all have an OPS over 1,000 uh, against Plezak. Um, Quantrill, this is the guy that was fucking... We're not going to see the matchup between Cal Quantrill and uh, Rafi Devers. He's lucky. Very lucky. He is lucky. He's seven and five with a three seven five ERA, a one hundred and thirty WHIP, and a five point seven strikeouts per nine. What's up with these fucking guys? They don't strike anybody out. The fuck is that? Um, he does not have a pitch with a WHIP rate over twenty nine percent. All but one of his pitches have a batting average against over two fifty. Uh, his cutter has his most strikeouts with thirty one, but also has his most homers allowed with five. The Red Sox somehow only scored two runs against them earlier this year. That was uh, June 24th. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs, a couple walks, four strikeouts, a homer. That was the Rafi one. The Guardians are 9-9 nine and nine when he pitches and have won his last three outings. Red Sox hitters 294, a 351 on base, and an 837 OPS against him. Trevor Story, which doesn't matter. Devers, Vasquez, Bogarts, Arroyo, Ploiecki all have an OPS over 1,000 against him. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, who I fucking love. I love Tristan McKenzie. He just had like a 24-inning scoreless streak get broken up, didn't he? Yeah. So he's allowed one earned run in July over 26 and two-thirds innings. He's 7-6 and six with a 311 ERA, an 098 whip, and an 8.4 strikeouts per nine. Uh, the 311 whip looks good on paper. Uh, he's got a 415 FIP, though. But as we mentioned, the one earned run in July over the 26 and two-thirds innings. Uh, he dropped his ERA from 403 to 311 over that span. In his four July starts, he has pitched into the sixth inning every single time. He's got the eight walks over that span now, including five in one game. He's not allowed more than five hits in any game, which is crazy. Um, he has been a little susceptible to the dinger. 16 homers and 18 appearances, including six games with multiple homers allowed. Uh, the Guardians, 4.96 average run support for Tristan McKenzie. Uh, he's got a three-pitch mix, four-seam slider curveball. Curveball batting average against is 111 with a whiff rate of 44%. The Guardians are 12-6 and six in his starts and are 7-1 and one over his last eight. Only Ref Snyder has actually faced him. He's one for four. That one is a homer. So again, that is Nick Pavetta versus Zach Plezak. Josh Winkowski versus TBD. Nathan Avaldi versus Cal Quantrill. Cutter Crawford versus Tristan McKenzie in the finale. Uh, the Red Sox are 3-0 and against the Guardians this year. <clears throat> um, they've outscored them 18-8 to in those three games. Prediction time. Jake, what do we got? They're going to lose all four of those teams. Terrible. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Jeez. <clears throat> no Bible verse to end that, Jake. I mean, I'm I'm just out here predicting sweeps every week, and they're gonna lose in historic fashion in a sweep. I just mm-hmm. I can't just come back with right. another sweep. I won't doubt greatness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tyler. Yeah, I'll be a little better. Uh, I think at some point the Red Sox need to at least split a series here. I'm guessing J.D. Martinez will be back tomorrow. Trevor Story seems like a couple days could be back at the end. But at the end of the day, you got Pavetta and you got Evaldi in this series. Those are your two best arms. If they if you can't win this series, I don't know what series you're going to win. Um, I think the Red Sox, they've just got their ass beat. They've lost five in a row. They got to at least win one here. Um, I think we see a little fight. We're going to have the uh, City Connect jerseys. Maybe that adds a little bit more of a flair to them. But after getting your doors blown off and being the laughing stock of baseball, I expect them to at least punch back. Do I think it does anything splitting the series in terms of what it means for the deadline? No, but it'll at least be better baseball than we watched this weekend. So you're saying split? Yep. They can't, if they lose, I, I hope it can't get any worse than this. And the White Sox just beat the Guardians twice in a row. So, you know, you're right there with the White Sox right now. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. You look conflicted. Um, I'm trying to trying to like arrive at what exactly it is that I want here. Do I want to do I want to go out there and go out on a limb? Do I want to say what everyone else is saying? What path do I want to take here? I feel like a split is pretty bold right now. You think so? They haven't won in their last five games, and they haven't, you know, they haven't won a series since the uh, since the Guardians last time around. I mean, that's the team that they beat. No, so. what does that mean for you? Do you think they can do it again? No, Raffy. No story. No, JD. Uh, are you telling me something? No. Okay. I mean, JD's got the back spasms. But the hope is he'll be back tomorrow. And there's been a lot of hope for a lot of things that haven't happened. I do agree with you on that. Um, I think I'm going to go split. Okay. I wanted to say three out of four, but I, just, I don't have it in me. We got to build back up to those yeah. days. Let's be real. Yeah, you can't just like go into the gym and start pressing hundos. We're going to get on the treadmill here. Yeah. You got to warm up, hit the bike first, get the blood flowing. <laughs> and then, then you can do like a warm up set. So even like next series, even if they take three out of four in this one, I still don't know what I'm, what I'm going to be feeling like after that. But yeah, I got, I get the Red Sox split in this one. Positivity podcast. I mean, that's like about as positive as, <laughs> as it's going to get. Like, yeah, I think the Red Sox are going to gain no ground being positive. 
Do you think we see a trade during this series? No. Do you? I don't think it's crazy. I I wouldn't be surprised if they start moving things along here because they're going to have a good amount of pieces they have to move. Yeah, Heim's going to be busy, huh? He uh, looked pretty stressed out sitting up there the other day watching that game Friday, so he better get to work because that Mm. seat is going to get hot and hot and hotter. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for crying with us. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining the therapy session. I I hope things turn around. I I still... I still hope things turn around and we are able to we're able to say that June wasn't the only part of the season that we can enjoy. Um Yeah. It doesn't seem like the guys in the clubhouse have given up though. That's the vibe that I've gotten from to- like I've asked. I've been like what's the vibe like in there? Like, you know, vibes are fine. Like no one's no one's dragging ass like no one's like crying about it. It's just you got to show up to the yard and make no excuses and, and try and win a ball game. And I will say if these trades do happen and we see things happen like this, as long as Xander and Rafi are still here, I think this team will still play somewhat interesting games over the final two months of the season just because of how this playoff structure is now. Because even admits, you know, with all this bad stuff, you're three games out. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to go make the playoffs, but will you be able to still sit there and dream and say, if this goes this way or that goes that way, maybe with some new foundational pieces around you, some guys, you know, like we talked about that resemble 2014 trade deadline. I think there'll be some interesting baseball left this year. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what is this? Oh, Red Sox stats just tweeted out. This is basically what's under control for next year with roughly 70 million available for upgrades coming out of next week with a controllable player would be extremely helpful. Where are you splurging besides Endeavor's extension? Do you see stats? We think alike, but you choose mm-hmm. to hate me. He hates you? He blocked me. Really? You knew this. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm still upset about it. Mm. You don't know who that person is? I don't want to know. People, people that like, <clears throat> I've been contacted maybe three times with people being like, I know who it is. Do you want to know? And I'm like, no. I want to know. Someone let me know who it is, please. I don't think it's like if, I just if w- someone told told you his name, then you'd just be like, oh, it's just it's just this guy that like is really smart about baseball. But I don't believe he doesn't work in baseball. It's not like, oh, by the way, like, it's Sam Kennedy. Dude, some people thought it was like Heim Bloom at one point, which was hilarious. I just want to know what I did. I want to know why. I have my theory, but I want to know why. I've the last time I talked to Stats, I asked him if he wanted a segment on the show and stats rejected it correct no so what like what we were going to do is if people had questions for stats that they would submit them he would read them and reply to them with text and then we would play the answer to his responses in like the the robot voice that would have been amazing and we can still do that you hear that stats we don't you don't have to be my friend Acknowledge me. <laughs> Just acknowledge me. Like I think, uh, I think maybe maybe we can get stats to unblock you, but I don't know what you did. You didn't 
Did you say anything to him? Never. I'm I'm not the kind of I'm not one of those people. I I don't I'm not in really people's mentions really ever. Like I'll tweet like something stupid at you sometimes, like the picture of the yeah. Sandoval boat. But I'm not, not a, a chirper or something like that. You're like, not a reply guy like Steve. No, I'm definitely not one of those Steve, guys. Steve used to fucking Steve used to like reply to Section Ten tweets and then retweet himself. Yeah, no, I'm much cooler than that. Yeah. So now Steve like. Steve will reply to every Red Sox stats tweet and every like Red Sox tweet just to be like under the replies. I'm like, bro, come on. I'm more of have, a quote tweet guy. I'll quote tweet if I feel some type of way. Yeah. Don't be the reply guy. Fuck no. I'll reply once in a great, great while. You uh, replied. What was it when we were having our mental breakdown Friday? 162 guys. Yeah, no, I'll reply to, like, my guys. Mm. Yeah, like, I'll reply to, like, you, Jake, Coley, Pete, Pat, I guess. Um, Hope Pat's okay. I just got a message during this show uh, that he was discovered last night at 2.30 a.m. still in his bathing suit. 2.30? Mm-hmm. It's a lot worse than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I have some questions for him. I'm going to save it for the next time that he's on. But something he 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 did something in Vegas that confirms that he makes at least five million dollars a year. Whoa. Wow. That big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Talk to us, Pat. Yeah. Tell us what you really do. Yeah, I, I have some questions for Pat. About his bank account and how much money he makes. I did see him say Scott Boris once rejected a jet request he had. Yes. I want to know the story behind that as well. I know that story, but I'll let him tell it. Be on the next episode, Pat. I know you're definitely listening to all two plus hours of this. Yeah, he's he's locked into this sewed right now. Not an ounce of alcohol in his system. Nope. Completely. I mean, I, I could tell him, be like, hey. You might want to, you might, we were talking about you on the new episode. You might want to listen to that episode on the flight back and then he'll panic and be like, what did they say? And then be like, this is the part you had to wait two hours and 18 minutes. Where are we at? Yeah. Wow. Two hours and 17 minutes. I almost nailed that. We're some sick fucks. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Uh, enjoy the guardian series. We'll be back on Friday morning with a Thursday night record. Is that a day game Thursday, please? Is it? No, I don't think so. Fuck. Oh, man. That would have been nice. We're not that lucky. Yeah, fucking. I think that, that means that I'm booked up for the whole for the whole week now. I got uh, Monday tattoo, Red Sox game, and I'm taking uh, my ex-girlfriend's brother to the game on Monday. You are what a guy. I'm just a fucking great guy. Wow. Taking him to the game on Monday with his daughter. And then Tuesday is the stream. Jake, do we, who do we want on the stream on Tuesday? Uh, do we have options? The world. Who would say no to such an opportunity? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, well, the team sucks. So, like, I don't know that people are like, dude, let me get in on that. But maybe. We need Tyler again soon. We need Tyler and fucking McCarthy. 
We'll sit there. We'll duel. I'll listen to him, or I'll try to listen to him. Uh, are you are you going to see him tomorrow? Uh, unfortunately, he is working Zoe Bertrand with me, so uh, we Ask will be fighting. Ask him if fighting. he wants to do it. Ask him if he wants to do it this Tuesday. You guys. Okay, I'll talk to him. All right, talk to him, and then it could be Milliken McCarthy on Tuesday. Wednesday is when I go to the sports hub, and then Thursday we're doing the podcast, and then Friday apparently I'm going to fuck myself, and then on Saturday. Thank God I'm going to, what is it, Banners? We're doing a WWE watch party, me and Jay Stu. Ooh. Sarge Riley is going to be there. It's for Love. SummerSlam. Love Sarge. And I'm not going to give too much away. I'm not going to give too much away. But if you're watching SummerSlam mm-hmm. on Saturday, mm-hmm. there's a big surprise coming. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh my! Yeah, I'm not even a wrestling guy, and I'm excited yeah. for this. You should, you should come. What, what are you speaking to? Talk to me. It's uh, it's at Banners is at the Garden. Okay, we're doing a watch party for SummerSlam. Me, Jay, Stu, Sarge. I, I don't know who else is coming, but I know that those three will at least be there. Um, and then for SummerSlam, if you're watching SummerSlam, there's gonna be a big surprise. This might have to be my introduction to wrestling. Yeah, I would love if you came. Jake, you fucking love wrestling too. You want to come? Yeah, I could pop in for a little slam. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, so that's Saturday. Uh, Still waiting for that day off. I haven't, even since like before LA, we're just, we're still going. I, uh, um, I'm still waiting for that day off, but you know what? Don't worry. There's only 14 more days of Red Sox games in a row before their next off day. Yeah. And we love that. We love this team. 162. 162, baby. All right, we'll see you Friday morning. Buenas noches, amigos.